Seven billion humans on Earth can't all like the same drink. That's why Circle K has Polar Pop and Froster. Pick your flavors and make that one in seven billion mix just right for you. Polar Pop and Froster, just 79 cents each at Circle K. Limited time only at participating locations. Seven billion humans on Earth can't all like the same drink. That's why Circle K has Polar Pop and Froster. Pick your flavors and make that one in seven billion mix just right for you. Polar Pop and Froster, just 79 cents each at Circle K. Limited time only at participating locations. Welcome back to another episode of The Drive-In. I am your host, Aaron Lopez, and I have a familiar guest host on. Wanted to make sure that we got him on one more time before a big life-changing move. Uh, Nick is back again before he moves to Chicago. Nick, thanks for coming Hi. on. Thanks for having me. Uh, and it wasn't just because he's moving that he's on for this week. Nick has also been begging to uh, share his love for not only musicals, but uh, of share as well as we are going to be talking about <laughs> Mamma Mia, here we go again. And I've been referring it as like Mamma Mia too, but it's not. It's Mamma Mia with the tagline "Here we go again," um, starring Amanda Seyfried. Seyfried, Seyfried, is that how you say it? Seyfried. That one. Uh, Lily James, Pierce Brosnan, Dominic Cooper, Cher, lots of other people, but those are kind of the big ones. Um, and yeah, it's a uh, sequel slash prequel to the 2008 uh, movie based on the uh, theatrical musical Mamma Mia. It came out um, 10 years ago? It was 10 years ago. Jeez. Yeah, I looked at it today and That's it was crazy. 2008. That's a long time. It feels like I remember going and seeing it in theaters just yesterday. Uh, yeah, I feel like I bought it like a year ago, but I mean, apparently not because man, 10 years is a long time. Well, you got to remember, too, is I remember when this came out, um, Amanda Seyfried, Seyfried, uh, when she first did this, it was like, really? The girl from Mean Girls is playing? Yeah. And well, then you're like, oh, she can sing. She can sing. Because I remember seeing her. The first thing I saw her in after Mean Girls was, oh, what was that called? Something Dogs. Um, Alpha Timber- Dogs. Alpha Dogs. That's yeah, a good just, movie. Yeah. I remember seeing her in it and I was like, Karen, what are you doing? <laughs> when you look at, and I mean, out of all of the girls, she's kind of had the most success. I mean, you could say Rachel McAdams has too, but she kind Rachel of went off in a way, like, her like, own way. She spiked and then fell off. Amanda Seyfried has kind of been pretty consistent, but I would agree with you that of all of the three plastics, she's the one that had. Well, and uh, the especially most... with Lindsay. Oh, I mean, yeah. I mean, <laughs> she's off doing. Whatever she's doing. Just bless her heart. So, yeah, it's been 10 years, and uh, a, a lot has happened in 10 years in this movie, um, but it's not been... T- it's kind of weird. It's been 10 years in real life, but it's only been five years in the movie. Yep. Um, but we'll talk about that here in a little bit. Um, so our trailer rundown, we got into the theater a little... Uh, a couple minutes late, but we did still get six trailers, uh, and... God damn it, wouldn't be the first one be Mission Impossible Fallout? (laughs) The only good thing about that is that this is the last week since that comes out next week, so I don't have to worry about seeing another Mission Impossible Impossible Fallout trailer ever again. Hooray! Um, So, yeah, and and we will have more information regarding Mission Impossible Fallout and a protest that will be happening next week and uh, at the end of the episode. Um, We had Mission Impossible Fallout, Second Act, The Spy Who Dumped Me, A Star Is Born, First Man, and Welcome to Marwin. Uh, Nick, of those, are any of those looking interesting to you? The Welcome to Marwin one looked really interesting. I really enjoyed 
like what really got me was the animation style. Mm-hmm. So you're bouncing back and forth between real life and these um, dolls that Steve Carell's character has built to cope with um, his um, his assault. And the, the I mean, it literally looks like they're alive. It's it's crazy. It's like Toy Story for adults. But so that one really stuck out to me. Um, the Spy Who Dumped Me looked hilarious. I saw a preview for that somewhere else. Um, but, um, that one looked really funny. So those were the two that stood out to me. Yeah. Welcome to Marwin. I don't remember who originally posted it, but I saw it on Facebook. Someone had said like, oh, this looks great when it first came out, the trailer. And I checked it out and I was like, oh my God, this looks awesome. Yeah. The only nice. disappointment is that it doesn't come out until Christmas. So right. we got quite some time before that comes out. Uh, but yeah, I, uh, Steve Carell in a drama, um, is always a good Good thing to go see because he doesn't do it often, so you, no. you know that when he does do it, it's a project he's pretty uh, passionate about. Uh, Spy Who Dumped Me looked really funny. Um, eh, on second act, second act, um, quite literally because it's Jennifer Lopez and uh, and I. First thing I can't know, I don't remember his name, but it's the um, her husband in the the movie is the guy from This Is Us, and he was also in Heroes. Um, and as soon as they pop up, I was like, yeah, that's not a believable relationship. Yeah, no, I know. Because right? he's, he's maybe, what, 35 to 40, and she's got to be pushing 55. She's, she's pushing, like, I don't know. Fi- mid to mid 50s. Yeah, that one. And then. It, um, it looked fun. I mean, I, I probably won't see it. I'm not a Jennifer Lopez fan of her acting, but it, it did look like a fun movie. Um, almost kind of a, just the aspect of, of, Getting a job by lying, but not like in a vindictive way. Um, and then it's all about, you know, who you are and losing your true self because she's living out this life of uh, her Facebook self. And Yeah, it's yeah. just kind of like a, it's this, it's a story that I feel like we've heard many a times and eh, yeah. pass on. Uh, first Man, uh, talking about uh, Neil Armstrong and his work trying to get to the moon. Uh, looks interesting, but I don't know. I know how it ends. He gets there, so I don't... I, th- I think... The trailer did a really good job of showing how how much really went into the de- the development of the of the space program, and I think that's going to be really interesting, especially to those that have that interest. And like the first one that keeps popping into my mind is my father, mm. who will probably be first in line to go see that. But it looks really good. It's not like weirdly dramatic, like Armageddon or Apollo thirteen. It's like it's an actual storytelling, and I. If you're fan, if you're a history fan um, in any sense, you'll you'll enjoy it. It did look very well done. Uh, Ryan Gosling is portraying Neil Armstrong, and also doing it in a way that was it. He looked kind of like him. I mean, yeah, and, it looked very similar. It was pretty cool. So, um, and then A Star Is Born. I, the jury's still out on this one for me. Uh, I think it's Bradley Cooper's directing debut. I don't know if I've ever heard of him directing before. I haven't heard it either. Uh, but Bradley Cooper directing and uh, starring in this um, across from Lady Gaga. Uh, looked like an interesting movie. Kind of a split between like a, a romance and uh, a drama. And, and I don't know. I'm sure I'm, I'm sure it'll get a little bit more buzz as it gets closer. But I have heard some things about it and people seem to be intrigued if not a little excited yeah i'm interested to hear more about the actual plot um you don't get much of it from the trailer you just you know they meet they fall in love she's a songwriter um that doesn't perform her own stuff he pulls that out of her but i want to i want to know more so i'm definitely intrigued by this trailer yeah there's there's going to be another trailer that'll come out that'll give us a little bit more to go off of but 
So that is uh, the rundown for this week. Um, if you guys have any thoughts on any of these, or if you just want to share a joyous uh, celebration with us as we'd never have to endure another Mission Impossible Fallout trailer. Mm-hmm. And I, I think it's just funny because I've now I think I've seen it ten times, if not more. It's been the same damn trailer every time. Like It's the same damn movie every time. Yeah. It's, I don't let's know. Let's call a spade a spade. This is the same movie for, that's been coming out since the 90s. Like, let it go. It's not that strong of a franchise. Well, and and, and the problem with it is that we... No, you know what? I'm not going to dedicate no, any time to Mission Possible no. on this on this Tom Cruise. You have to have another outlet, not me. Okay. Um, <laughs> yeah, his marketing team is like, damn, we lost drive, the drive-in. Um, yeah. Anyways, um... Our spoiler-free summary for Mamma Mia, Here We Go Again, um, pretty simple. We kind of gave it to you earlier, but it's five years after the events of the original Mamma Mia from 2008. Uh, Sophie learns about her mother's past while trying to live out her mother's dream on the Greek island of Kalikari. Kari? I never knew Ka- the name of the island. The, the island, the fairy. I know it's in Greece. That's iconic. it. Um, and there's more that happens and whatnot, but basically it's a split between her living her life in the... Um, in the present, uh, and us learning about uh, Meryl Streep's Donna um, in the past. So it's kind of a prequel-sequel split. Uh, anything else before we get into it? Nope. Let's do this. All right. So here's your time to take a quick little break from us. If you haven't yet seen the movie, uh, because we are going to be giving you all of the songs and uh, plot and all the, the, the juicy details. If you haven't seen it and you don't want any of those spoilers, make sure that you pause right now and come see us here in a little bit. Awesome. So we are just with those that have seen the movie who want to know what we think about it, who want to hear you talk about Cher um, or Andre. Um, <laughs> one of those categories that all of our listeners fall into. Um, I'm going to be I'm gonna be in trouble when Andre figures out that there's probably better movie review podcasts out there. Um, even though he was on it, uh, just uh, was it last week? I mean, this is a fantastic movie review podcast. It's wonderful. Know, it's like top of the line. Come it on. is. It's uh, coming at you every week, mm-hmm. and you know, coming up with new and wonderful things such as uh, drunk drive-ins yes. and um, just listening to. If you have not listened to the Spice World drunk um, drive-in, you are missing out. Shameless because, plug of our own. Because you can listen to me go on for like what is it, an hour and a half about how the. Spice World is one of the best movies ever made, and it's still true. Drunk Driving is probably our most listened to episode, um, and for good reason. Because it's hilarious, and we we had a blast recording it. That was a good one. (laughs) Um, All right, so let's get into it. Um, Mamma Mia, here we go again. Uh, What were your initial thoughts? I was very intrigued. So I first saw this trailer, I think, when we saw Pitch Perfect 3. My, um, it was either that or Love Simon. I think it was Pitch Perfect Three. But I remember we, we were together when yeah. you first saw it. You so lost and your I shit. was like, because I, I had no idea that they were making a second one, and I was just like, so I was really excited when I first saw it. But thinking about it, I'm like, how many ABBA songs can they incorporate into another movie? Like, like from the trailer, I got what they were doing. Okay, we're mm-hmm. telling this, we're telling the backstory, we're telling, you know, what's going on since the the happenings of the last movie but as i've learned more about this um i was very intrigued just to see what music they chose mm-hmm. um i was glad that it was not a complete rehash of all of the songs i'm glad they brought some of the um highly popular ones back and some of the ones that um kind of faded into the background uh, during their first movie so um 
was definitely um, interested and excited and very excited to see this movie, actually. So um, kicking it off was, what was the first song? We had our, our first song was When I Kissed the Teacher, um, which, okay, so essentially when, when you look at the plot, um, I'm trying to remember, because we just saw this, but the movie starts with um, the, the hotel. It starts yes. with, uh, with the present day. And then they start looking back and they talk about, um, you know, her, she's talking about her mother and how um, her mother has, you know, has, it's very awkward, but it, because they never really, they, they don't ever tell us how she died. No. We just know that Meryl Streep's character died a, about a year ago. And since then, um, Sophie has been trying to put the, put together the hotel to, to continue on what her mother wanted. Yeah. At this place. To- re uh, not re but continue on her dream and it sounds like to me they're like she's planning for this big like grand opening the first scenes are her uh sophie writing out the invitations to her dads and to her grandmother but it's almost sounds like as the movie goes on that they are trying to correlate um this opening with either her birthday or the anniversary of her passing. That's why it seemed. They, yeah, it was very important that they did it when they were doing day. it. But they did also make mention, and this was this was is what gets us into the the first flashback and um, the first song is they uh, uh, Sophie says that you know don't worry about it. Um, my mother was never because they're trying to to get the last boat out. Yes, and she's like don't worry about it. My mother, my mother was never on time for anything either. And then you see Donna, young Donna, played by Lily James. Um, walking to her graduation late it's already begun and she is filing herself in and then we find out she's actually been voted to speak as the valedictorian which, which i'm like that was a little weird to me not and how that works I, I, you, and especially if you know you're gonna be the valedictorian how are you gonna show up late to your well and okay so my thought process in this is she's she is um setting up this whole idea that um, you know, things come at you fast and, uh, a lot of exciting things have happened in these, you know, these past years. Um, but you can't ever just, you, you, what she's learned is expect the unexpected and yes. she becomes the unexpected. She like takes off her, her gown and she starts singing a song when I kiss a teacher. Um, but I think it's because she was late because she was like prepping for it, but her friends weren't. Yeah. The late. other two were there ready to go. So, I don't know. I, it was just a weird weird kind of moment um and this was the first song uh of the movie when i kiss the teacher which i don't know like a little inappropriate to sing at your graduation i don't think so but still i mean still a good ABBA song that's tied incorporates with education and i i it was definitely a good um opening number for a show you know you're looking at it from a musical aspect it's high energy um just fun lyrics so I think it was a strong uh, opening choice for the movie. And we did get our first um, cameo of the movie here mm-hmm. um, with one of the professors uh, was one of the original members of, um, of ABBA. Yes. Um, it was Bjorn, and I'm not even going to try and Bjorn. pronounce his last name. Um, but yeah, so we had two of the, the two guys from uh, ABBA actually were in this movie. Um so we had the first one. Essentially, this gets us um, with... This is just an opener. It's yep, a traditional that's all opener. It is. Um, this, this didn't really advance the plot other than, hey, they graduated. What are they going to do now? Yep, you're kind of standing on this uh, precipice of your whole life is ahead of you. Where are you going to go? What are you going to do? And, I mean, in reality, that's kind of... Eh, I guess that really encompasses a lot of the movie. You know, you're standing on the edge of, 
um, of change and mm-hmm. what are you going to do with, with these opportunities that you have? Yeah, and this takes place uh, in 1979, which as I'm looking at um, some of the songs, uh, the 19, late 1970s is when um, you know ABBA was really popular, so you've got that t- connection. But 1979 is also when Voulez-Vous came out, which is probably one of their more popular mm-hmm. um, uh, albums. Um, you know, it, it's got yeah, the majority of those songs um, on there are actually in um, this, which we'll get to here later, including Kisses of Fire, which I thought was really funny yes. how that was included. Um, but after that, then we jump back to Sophie and Sophie and what's his name? Um, 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 Sky. Sky. I was like, I kept wanting to say like, I kept, I kept going fly. Through, kept going through the dads. I'm like, no, it's the man and it's, it's her man. Yeah, Sky. So Sophie and Sky are in two different places and, um, I will say, okay, so I had a lot of issues with this movie, but I will say one of the things that I really, really enjoyed we see in the next song, uh, and we see it throughout the movie, but more specifically it was set up here, um, a lot of the the visual transitions uh, were done very well. Yeah. Because the problem that I was, one of the things I didn't like about this movie is we have so much on the, the past and so much in the present that it jumps, jumps mm-hmm. a lot. But they did a really cool job, you know, and even within um, timelines of transitioning. Um, and one of us, which is the next song, was one of those where it just visually was really cool. Yeah, they did a lot of really cool um, camera angles and just um, just different changes to, I don't know, kind of represent the the distance between the two of them and how in reality they want to be brought together. And also they had a bit of a fight before this song and um it just kind of i really feel like it told the story and i i agree visually it was very very cool how it was done i liked a lot of there was an angle where they're both the typical like up against the same mm-hmm. wall but then it, the camera pans around and it's just back to sophie um all in one shot it felt like and she's back in the uh, back in greece like it just it was seamless yeah it's it's that where you know what they've done is they're filming on the outside of this created set between mm-hmm. these two rooms, but then all of a sudden, as it continues, that other you're, we're back in the single room um, without that yeah. you know behind the scenes cut. There, it's pretty cool, um, and I liked the what they did with the mirrors too, where it seemed like they were both in the same place, walking almost out of the mirror, transitioning. Yeah, I like it was that cool. One. It was different, but it was pretty cool. Um, so yeah, they're having a fight. Essentially, Sky's been offered. Well, before he gets the offer, he goes to New York to. Um, kind of learn for a few weeks under some of the better uh, hotel managers because they're trying to figure out how to, how to do it right. Mm-hmm. And as he was there, he was offered a full-time job, and he likes it. He wants to take it, and clearly, um, much like her mother, um, Sophie doesn't want to leave the island. You know, like This is the life choice that she's made. Like Here's her path, and it involves being here on yes. the island. Whereas he's kind of making it seem like mm, maybe it might be better. Um in this fight, before the song happens, they said, how long are we going to have this this argument? And uh, there's this huge tell of, of Sophie saying, if we're going to have this argument until, you know, one of us bends or until we realize that it's, um, until we realize that one of us isn't and it's not worth fighting for anymore, which was giving the insinuation that it was either one of us has to change or we're going to have to leave each other. Yeah, I mean, when we last saw these two, they were so passionate and so in love and... It's just kind of crazy to think that now they're really on the edge of their relationship. They were, um, like I said, they were so in love. They were so happy. 
Um, but I guess that this has been a consistent thing, probably Sky wanting to leave the island and pursue other ventures. And, you know, obviously um, he was willing to go to the city, but so maybe that's some of the things that they've been dealing with in these past five years. Yeah, and I just, I, I leaned over to Jordan when we saw this and I was like, they just spent the entire last movie putting them together. They're not going to break them up in the first 10 of this movie. Um, and it really, it almost felt like they were, they did a really good job of selling that this relationship was very much on the rocks. Um, and, but I mean, then almost immediately they kind of backtrack because, uh, one of us is a song essentially about how, um, you you are, one of us is upset about this, even if the other isn't, but it's told from the perspective of both of them. So yes, they're both upset about this. Um, so one of us is crying and wishing they were somewhere else and all that, um, but it ends with um, essentially this this potential split, which is kind of one of the one of the underlying conflicts of the movie. Yeah, it it left it in a way that you really don't know if they are gonna completely split up or not because you just don't know. I, th- I thought that was very interesting. Uh, well, then that takes us to another flashback. We continue on to see uh, Donna and. Uh, Donna, Rosie, and Tanya, who are um, outside of their apartment on this kind of little patio talking about what they're doing next. Donna complaining that she didn't show up. Her mother didn't show up. Um, how dare she? And then they're like, why are you surprised? She never shows up. She's like, yeah, yeah, I guess you're right. Uh, and so it gets them talking about what are they doing next. And Donna says that she's going to kind of just have this life experience. She's going to do something for her, mm-hmm. which is this insinuation that she is going to go on this trip. She's going to travel across Europe. Yeah. Kind of a thing. Yeah. And then it kind of cuts to um, the montage of them helping uh, Rosie and Tanya helping her get ready and her um, just packing and leaving. And I mean, it really, it kind of developed the the Donna character as to how did this idea come across to end up on this Greek island? Um, yeah. Because it doesn't, it, I mean, without this, this scene giving us it feels like there's no reason for her to be there exactly there's Um, no reason for all of these uh these travels that she's having and these these adventures this is really this is like your big setup exposition moment yeah and i gotta say so as we're looking at um we're looking at the uh the two friends rosie and tanya um i've got to say the girl who played young tanya really Dead really looked on. like uh like what's her name um christine uh Brinsky. yeah um uh, acted like her sounded like her looked like her she I mean, was very very i said well that asked. from like the first time i saw the trailer i was like they nailed that one and i think all three of them um tanya rosie and um donna really do rep, rep, um resemble their counterparts their their older counterparts i mean it's just crazy. So props to you, um, casting department. You, you knocked that one out of the ballpark. Well, and as I'm looking her up, her name is uh, Jessica Keenan Wynn, and you should know all about her. I should know all you about her. You should know about her. Why is that? Um, she was, and from what I'm looking at, I'm seeing she might have been the original. Um, she's known for her role as Heather Chandler in Heather's the Musical. Really? I think it's the original. I'm looking up the original Broadway cast, or not Broadway cast, the original Ron cast. Oh. Um, let's see. Jo- all about her. Uh, Heather Chandler, original off-Broadway cast. So once it went to New York for the first time, it was her. So I believe the bootleg that we saw is her. her. That's crazy, because I would have never put those two together. 
And you see, if you look at a picture of her outside of like her very clearly tried to make her look like Like uh, Berinsky, her face, you can definitely tell. Mm. It's her. And I'm looking at the Playbill picture right now. It's her. That's hilarious. She's the original Heather Chandler. That's funny. That's that's really full circle right there. Those of you who don't know, me and Nick, uh, as well as Jordan and many of the other people who have been on this podcast, were in Heather's Musical a couple years ago. So Um, so there's, hey, there we go. It all makes sense now. Full circle, Barbara. Um, Yeah, that's pretty cool. Things, the things you find out listening to the podcast, the driving. <laughs> um, so yeah, she did a great job. Um, but then, so she breaks, we get this, this, um, very quick transition and, um, again, visually a really cool way of progressing the plot because mm-hmm. we get from the, their flat or their apartment, whatever it is, um, to the airport, to, uh, Greece, Paris, or Paris, that's right. Paris, Paris is first. Um, then to Greece. She's in Paris for a while. What am I thinking? No, so she gets to Paris, yeah, because of the French thing. Oh, the the last transition is from her being in Paris back to Sophie on the island. uh, Because they're looking at the the, the birds and the birds that are flying in the sky. We transition back down, pan back down, and it's Sophie. That's what that last one was. I knew the island was there somewhere, but it wasn't. (laughs) We're not quite there. We we haven't made it to the island in the past past yet. Um, But as she gets to... um, to France, she apparently is gonna steal a room. I think she she's like the free spirit. She rang the bell like three times, no one showed up, so she's like, "Well, forget it. I'm gonna grab my own key." Um, ends up behind the desk, and then a highly attractive man in a um, in a robe shows up, and he starts speaking. He got locked out of his room, so he um, starts speaking the most broken French. And that's would be me if I ever had to speak French oh, to and he, anyone. He's, he's breaking it between you know bad French and English and like yes, it's oh, like it's Frenchlish, yeah. like how you how we have Spanglish. It's, it was rough. It's the French version of that. It's really funny though. And then she says, she after he was done, she goes, um, I didn't I didn't quite get that. Can you start again? And then he starts again in the broken French until he realizes, oh. You speak English. Yeah. And she's like, I don't work here. And then immediately he's like, oh. And it, this was kind of flirting, but also kind of serious. He's like, oh, then I should phone the police. And you're like, not not the best way to do it. Yes, I don't think you should do that. I, I wouldn't advise. Well, and he's like, they probably wouldn't understand my French anyway. So um, so then they are, they, they go to, because what any two strangers would do as they are meeting for the first time, they decide, oh, we're going to go have dinner together or yes. lunch or whatever it was well they <laughs> so they have this transition and they're in they're in i'm sure it's a famous place in paris but it's a square um they're walking through and which dad is it is he he's harry harry okay yep. i can't i can't keep him all straight um there's the american one i would say the american one even though i think he's also supposed to be british but pierce brosnan is yes. the american one um and that is um sam uh, Colin Firth plays the British Harry, and then Stellan Skarsgård plays the uh, the Swedish just, Bill. Bill, I remember yes. Bill. Okay, so they're walking through, um, and he says, "Can you uh, wear your bag on your other shoulder?" And he goes, and she's like, "Okay," like very skeptical. And he starts to tell this, saying, "You know, our hands could brush up against, and uh, you know, I could accidentally grab your hand." And she turns to him and she says. Or you could just ask to hold my hand. And it just, it made me laugh because it really shows that how strong of a independent woman that Donna is. And mm-hmm. it really shows that level of empowerment. 
but I I found that scene um, hilarious not only for just the you know the acting but the um, costuming. He has yeah. on the like smallest like Cabbage Patch Kid sized leather jacket I've ever seen in my life. Like, I don't think he could have lifted his arms I, until grab her hand. That's yeah. probably why. I was like, how are you not walking like? How are your arms moving at all? Because it's just like, that thing is so That was small. rough. Yeah, that was rough. Oh, man. Um, yeah, and, and we're jumping a little bit ahead with this. But later in the movie, I don't know if you noticed this, but when she's on the island with Sam, um, as they're walking up to the walking up the hill at night, their hands ever so like, like coincidentally just touch and it yes. leads to hold, holding hands. So while Harry was asking to hold her hand and he wanted to do it in a way that was like spontaneous. The spontaneity came with Sam mm-hmm. who, if you've seen the first movie and we're in spoiler range now, but is the actual father yes. um, of, of Sophie. So um, I thought that was kind of cool that they, they showed, and it was very, very clearly done because it was a close up on their hands, like accidentally. It's like, Hey, I'm just shouting out, look at this, like yeah. calling, you know, call back to one of the first scenes in the movie. So yeah. I enjoyed that. And then, cause then it transitions to, isn't that, there's a weird transition where they walk out of frame and then the backdrop becomes a painting and then we flash forward back into the present again. Another one of those easy It's one of those, yeah. And it, it pops us back into the present. Um, and, okay, so, but before, yeah, we get to, um, we get to Waterloo. Mm-hmm. Um, the song Waterloo. And, okay, this is the first of many instances, and granted, we just got done saying, Donna's a very independent woman. But this movie was a little rapey. It had a moment. It had a moments. There's, uh, there's some rapey moments in there. I, I mean, that. I get it. When a guy has an attraction toward a female, especially in the 70s, you know, we got to remember this is like 79, 80. Uh, there was not a whole lot of discretion. No. But it was a little rapey. There was a, there's a, I mean, he just flat out said, you know, help me lose my virginity. Like... Just put it out there on the table it's in like, the middle of the I think restaurant. Of, I think of absolutely no reason why we shouldn't spend the night together if you're leaving tomorrow. Yes. <laughs> it's like, and oh, and even she's like, that's a little forward. That, yeah, like, it was a very rapey moment. And I, I remember just sitting there looking like, did he really just say that? Is, well, is this and, happening? And in comparison, he looks like a gentleman compared to Bill during the next song, Why Did It Have You Me? But um, yeah, but Waterloo has done well. It's the first song that I had a lot of recognition for i'd mm-hmm. heard the other two but maybe in passing um they were familiar to me but waterloo um i thought was done well it was fun um a lot of like a lot of close-ups though like yes. from as far as a film standpoint yeah had a lot of close-ups on faces in this yeah i mean waterloo was the one song that i was shocked was not in the first movie like it was in the end it was in like the after movie yeah. credits and stuff but um, I thought this one was really cool because it was just another one of those big chorusy numbers. Um, that's very. We're just gonna break out into song and dance, and then we're when it's over, we're gonna go back to what we were doing, like we never just sang and danced the song. Yeah, like those are my favorite in music in movie musicals, but in just in musicals in general. So, <laughs> but, it, wasn't there a thing in uh, Love Simon where they did that? Yes, that was great. Yeah, that was funny. <laughs> so they just they start dancing and. It, it, it was just, it was adorable. It was absolutely adorable. I thought it was really well done. But you're right. There's a lot of um, in-your-face moments. Like, you are right there with those people. It's It was interesting. Yeah, I liked Waterloo. Um, it was... It, what was cool about it is you had 
Um, everybody in it, like you said, it's a chorusy style number, and they had a handful of these. But this is the one, the first one that we had in the movie that really incorporated a hey, this is a musical mm-hmm. um, because musicals are you know flash and flare and things like that. This really played that up. Yes, um, and I really enjoyed the fact that um, they incorporated Waterloo because they were in France, like. They really had to write themselves into this song, but it didn't feel like forced until you break it down and you're like, oh, so she had to go to France for them to have Waterloo. There exactly. had to be a statue of Napoleon for this to make sense. Like, it was fine in the movie, in the moment, you didn't really overthink yeah, it. Yeah, I didn't even think about it that way, but yeah, they definitely had to write themselves into that corner to be able to use that song. Because, I mean, you think of the actual lyrics to that song and you're like, that doesn't really, that's not one of those that you're like, oh, this could really make sense in a lot of different situations. No. I mean, you, especially if it's like kind of a a jukebox musical style, you gotta figure out a way to to, to make it that, yeah. and you have to. It has to be specific because you're right. The lyrics are very much like, um, are very literal. Yeah. Um, and then we find out that uh, well, afterwards, very shortly, they cut to um, that night, and uh, Donna has slept with um, with Harry, um, and it's it's the awkward, you know, laying and. He's asking, "Did you and was you know was it good?" And then don't wait, no, don't answer don't that. Answer that. <laughs> She's like, "It was fine." Like, yeah. Did she say it was, it was lovely or it was, it was beautiful? Or it was, I think she said it was lovely. Yes, and that's code word for it was short. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I just I thought that was really funny. I really enjoyed him saying, "How was it for you?" No, don't answer that. Yeah. Like all in one breath. Like, and it's the immediate reaction of I don't want to know the answer to that. It could be wonderful, but I don't I don't care. It could also not be wonderful, and that would yeah. yeah. Um. So she does, she is leaving the next day. She's continuing this, and she goes, and um, this is where we get my favorite character of the entire movie um, for the first time, is they're on the docks uh, on the piers, and she's trying to, Donna is trying to leave um, on the ferry to get to the island. Mm-hmm. She's running late, and she whips out her passport, um, and it's the, the guy's name from the, the actual movie, um, I don't think he actually had, he's just the Greek custom officer, but yes. it's Omid... Um, Jalili, um, I, you've seen him before if you've seen, he's, he's a comedian actually, um, but some of the other things that he's been on, let's see here, I'm trying to think of things that you guys might have seen, um, is that TV? That's television, that's why I'm not seeing anything. Um, he was in The Love Guru, um, he was in, um, Sex in the City 2, um, he was, uh, the voice of the tiger in Over the Hedge. He was in Sky Captain the World of Tomorrow. Um, Gladiator. He was the slave trader in Gladiator. And you got you remember the guy who's like beating the crap out of Russell Crowe as he before he trades him away. Um, but he's he's funny. He is not he's one very of very funny. He, it's it's a small little bit part oh, that, yeah. that they <laughs> they kind of beat to death after a little while, but it's really funny and it comes back later in the movie, but he does that part really well. Oh, it's it's fun. Like you don't expect a character that doesn't even have a real name to leave a lasting impression. Yeah. But they give him enough attention. Um and he basically sees a, in the passport, Donna's hair shorter, she's grown it out. Um, and he says that he, he prefers it shorter. And she's like, oh, okay, great, thanks, but I gotta go. Um, so he gets the stamp, and she runs off, and that's where we meet young uh, Bill. Young Bill. Mm-hmm. Talk about rapey. This is bad. He's, this is the this, worst part of the movie. This is the rapiest part, I think. <laughs> but, oh, God, he's just so pretty. He is so pretty to look at. So she's running down the dock, and I don't remember 
that's not when she, she doesn't fall. No, that's later when she falls into his arms. Um, she she misses the fairy. Um, <laughs> she yells after the fairy, you can turn back. It's not too late. Yeah. Which I was like, okay, let's talk about this movie being self-aware a little bit. Yeah. Uh, I thought that was really, really funny. But she turns around, she meets him. Um, and, he, you know, he's talking to her. And he jumps on this boat that just happens to be conveniently right there on onto the pier. And she goes... Well, if there just happened to be someone with a boat that could take me to the island, <laughs> he turns and he says, "Oh, this isn't my boat. I just wanted you. I just wanted to impress you." <laughs> and you can tell, like, the idea of like she's like, "Oh, okay." Like she completely falls for the fact yes. that he wasn't. He's like, "No, I'm kidding. It is my boat." Um, but yeah, it's. I have to say, there are. This is the other guy who I felt was the best portrayal of their counterpart. Yes, they're older. He looks. Like a young uh, Stellan Skarsgård. Yes, very absolutely. much. So. They're, I mean, their facial features. The this is really weird, but the fact that their eyes are extremely close together, both of them, it was like spot and on. And the same I was like, color too. Like yeah, the piercing bluish gray. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I was like, okay, I see, I see you, casting department. I see you. Um, but it was really because <laughs> then we just go onto the boat, and he takes her below deck and says. There's two beds, but one is currently occupied. I mean, it just has a whole bunch of crap on it, and the only one that's available is his bed. And I was like, "Oh my, is this happening? Like, is this actually happening? Like, that this is one of those rapey moments that you're like, oh. yeah, you're a little uncomfortable." And she's like, "Oh, how convenient!" Like, the thing is, is it's the movie's aware of how uncomfortable some of these situations are, yes. and not only are they aware of it, but they call it out because she multiple times uh donna says that she never does this like she's not the kind of person to uh, just run off with any random guy but yet in three different situations over the span of maybe a week um, it's maybe like three days four days uh but yeah she's she's done this with three guys which is kind of one of those running jokes yeah i mean that's how she got into the predicament that she ended up in with you know being pregnant spoilers and not knowing that um not knowing who the father is. So exactly. <laughs> it's, it really does show that, yeah, I can definitely see how she got into that situation. Yeah, and, then, and so the next song is Why Did It Have to Be Me um, is kind of an interesting play because it is, at first it's a little comedic because he's playing this idea of like, why does it have to be me to be the one to meet you and like fall in love and have to deal with, mm-hmm. you know, losing a lost, you know, or to losing a, a potential love to um then you know it's comedic in the fact that she says there's two kinds of um seducers the one that hates women altogether and uses the power over them um or the one that truly um it it very truly believes that they fall in love every night but then they fall out of love the next next morning morning. and he's like oh like this and he starts going on about it uh and he gets kind of grabby in that part too he's very He's very forward, and I—I th- I mean, that might just have to do with the character. It could be, but I mean, just very much like I'm going to follow you. I'm going to mimic your moves, and um, you know, she sits down. He sits down right next to her. She moves over. He follows suit, and over and over, like it keeps happening. And I mean, it's—it's it's very rapey. It's, it's it, so this. Rapey. This was the scene that was the worst. Yeah, as far as that goes. Ugh. Um. But then it does cut over to uh, young Harry, who is on the docks trying to um, catch a ferry because he says that uh, Donna had this this lady, this y- a young woman that he spent the night with, has left a very very nice goodbye letter, one that he's just like, you know, I'm gonna have to I have to go for it. But he also starts singing the same song, and it's the same lyrics, 
but it changes because now yeah. it is someone who potentially could have fallen in love um and he he believes that he has uh, but we do get our our customs officer again this time <laughs> though he's like the hair was um was he had it shorter than it was and he's like i liked it longer, longer. Yeah, he like he always likes the opposite. He like he likes what he sees in the passport pictures. Yes, versus what he sees in real life. Exactly. So funny, just a funny little bit character. I love it. Um, and then so this takes us um, after why did it have to be me? She gets to the uh, well, actually before she gets to the island. Yeah, because this is important. This is very important. Um, this actually kind of breaks up the potential uh, sexual har- or assault that yes. we are about to see. <laughs> Um, we hear a yelling, and they're out in the middle of the the water at this point. And they go up, and they see this this gentleman, um, uh, Alexio, I believe his name was. Yes, that sounds right. And he is on this little skiff boat, like, like little smaller motor, smaller than a little dinghy. Like it's tiny. It looks like a like a toy boat. It really does. It really does. With essentially the kind of motor that you have when you're trying to like go around if you've ever gone fishing the one that basically can take you very very slowly around the reeds i don't remember yes. what it's called but um it doesn't seem like it's going to get him anywhere and it's broken and so they both decide oh of course we're going to help because he's trying to get his love who is um who wants to marry the poor fisherman but uh is being forced to marry the rich fat um you know aristocratic character right uh, so they're like yeah absolutely there's no question um, well, not really. It was more of... Well, she says. Yeah. She says, yeah. He's more like, well, you can figure it out again. Yeah. We'll go back down to the, the, the we're, deck. We're, yeah, we're going to go back down to the deck and I'm going to uh, continue to try to um, have my way with this woman. And it, then it cuts to, um, you see his, the love of his life, you know, in a wedding dress and everything. He jumps out of his little boat because they're tugging it along. Or no, he was on the main boat. Um, he jumps off the boat into the water and can't swim. Can't swim, and I'm just like, <laughs> how do you live that close to water and you can't swim? First of all, so he's yelling for I forget her name. Um, it's something weird, but he's got water um, stuck in his throat, and so um, uh, Apollonia. Apollonia. I was like, <laughs> it's something I I knew it had something to do with like a food. I heard an apple, and yep. okay, but they yell to, and I don't. There's no way in reality that you would hear you could be far out on a boat and somebody would hear you on the mainland. Like they, there's no freaking way. Yes, they're yelling, but it doesn't work that way. Um, so they're like, "He loves you. He loves you." So she just decides, "Well, I'm gonna go rescue him," and she runs off in a very Baywatchy slow mo running moment of yep. this. Full body dress. And when I mean full body dress, like, she had this headpiece that came, like, from her shoulders, like, over her head. Like, all you saw were her face and her hands. You yeah. saw nothing else. Um, she runs, jumps in the water. They um, they connect. And then <laughs> they realize they can't swim. So Bill um, removes he's, his shirt, which yeah, I'm he not goes, complaining. He's like, I don't think either of them can swim. So, yeah, he pops his shirt off and, and jumps, jumps in. jumps right in and goes in and saves them. And... It's a little mini happy ending there in the middle of the movie. Yeah, and and this gets uh, Donna then afterwards. So they they okay they've they've gotten those two together. He drops her off. He says, um, "I'll be back in three weeks. I've got a, a, a boat race that I've got to do, or sailing race. Um, but I'll be back in three weeks to see you." And they're both like, oh, "Okay, cool." Like, there's really no. Yeah, it was a very like uh, amicable. Like, yep. "Hey, I'll see you later," kind of thing, um, which I thought was pretty cool. And then we kind of cut to her exploring the island a little bit because we finally make it to the island. Oh yes. Uh, and then so we jump uh, back to the present timeline, and Sophie is um, is 
coming to, uh, or she's getting things together for this opening night, and um, this is where we have Rosie and Tanya show up. Mm. Um, and they show up, and uh, it's kind of, it's, there's really not a whole lot of character development in this, um, and these two characters are no exception. Um, Rosie is the overly emotional, uh, kind of goofy one, uh, and Tanya is the sex-driven, and okay, let's just be honest, anytime that Christ, uh, Christine Berinsky's <laughs> in a movie, it's, and it seems she's like the, she is always like She's a like sex-driven that. cougar, like, let's call a spade a spade. Yep, that's what she's doing. Well, so we get to this point, and they're talking as, um, you know, Tanya and Sophie are talking, and it's like, um, don't mention, um... Something about not mentioning Donna because every time somebody mentions the word the name Donna, Sophie starts crying, and it's not like a you know I'm gonna just start bawling. It's just one of those <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like it's just hilarious. Well, she, yeah, it's I think that was the specific line because it's it makes it's important for later um, this whole like crying at the mention of Donna. Yes, um, but yeah, she's like, well, just you know. She, we need to make sure that she doesn't have somebody who's crying every time we hear the word That's Donna. That's what it was, yeah. And then she, she says the name Donna in and that sentence. She, and uh, it, it, take, it takes off. a second, and, and Sophie kind of turns her head off to the left and just starts... Yeah. <laughs> you can just... she um, Tanya's got sunglasses on, but you can just tell she's rolling her eyes. Oh, like, yeah. oh, God, here we go again. Huh? Right? There you yeah. go. <laughs> they said it. They said um, the title. Did they say it in this? And they say it in oh, the lyrics Mama to Mamma Mia. Mia. Yeah, I guess. That's, I'm trying to think. Yeah, I was yeah. thinking if it was outside of that. Uh, but so they get to the island and um, they start. She's basically like uh, Sophie is going to show Rosie and Tanya around. So here's what um, here's what I've done. Like mm-hmm. they're here for the opening. Yes. And she starts to show her around. And as she's doing this, we get a cut to um, the first time that uh, Donna was in the uh, the. Farmhouse, farmhouse on top of the the hill. Yeah, it's really. I, I actually liked this. This is one of my favorite parts of the movie because you get the contrast and you get to see. Um, they go through literally the same um, places in the same building, obviously mm-hmm. at different times, and it's just it's really cool how it's done, how they piece it together, and it, it's one of my favorite songs. Um, I have a dream, mm-hmm. and it's just it's it's very powerful. Be, so this is one of the songs that was kind of pushed off to the side um, from the first movie because it's the one that opens the movie um, with um, Amanda Seyfried's character, mm-hmm. you know, singing that out into the water. But it's nice to have this, like, a full... This is um, the whole song, a, The yeah. full uh, moment of this song. And just to go through, you know, just to see the renovations, you know, um, 1970s Donna sliding down the, the banister and the whole staircase comes crashing down to... <laughs> the opening of the window and the entire right side of the window pane just it just shatters. It it, yeah, I don't know how that happens. I, <laughs> I was looking at it. I was like, okay, now I can understand if it like fell off. Yeah, but it like when she opened it. It exploded and then fell to the ground. Yes. Yeah, that was kind of funny. I enjoyed that, but it was just a it, it was an emotional moment for um, the present day with Sophie and Tanya and Rosie going through and just seeing all the work that had been done because. If you remember from the first movie, there were a lot of issues. Donna was always fixing something. Mm -hmm. Um, Something was broken. She was always um, gluing down something on that little dolphin thing on the floor. Um, It was always something. But to see it completely redone and all just up to date, it was it was kind of it was a very beautiful moment. Yeah. And it was I like that because it showed you it showed you that we're in the same place and you really got to see the. You got to appreciate at least what the character mm-hmm. had done of and Sophie to make this what it was, because you see like 
they they had a really cool transition where you're in the the one room that they first walk into and it pans and as it pans it starts to like chip away you yeah. see the, the paint that's chipped away and we're back in the past where in this room um where uh donna first walked in and i think it was tanya who made the reference of how did she see all this you know like how, leave it to donna to see all this potential mm-hmm. in a place like this um uh, and it was it was it was a good way of showing us kind of the the entire farmhouse in two different ways and connecting the mother and daughter in a, yeah. in a way that we don't get a whole lot of. Yeah, it, that was the, one of the first real moments of where these two characters, um, Donna and Sophie, really connect. Um, and they, I mean, obviously they connected a lot in the first movie, but just how their paths are very similar. Um, like I said, it was a really beautiful moment. I liked it. And this is where, so it's, it's as the end of um, I Have a Dream, we start to see um, there's a, a rainstorm that, that begins. Mm-hmm. And so as Sophie is kind of scurrying to try to save everything, um, in the past we see Donna. It also there's a, there's a storm that begins. Um, and we have to mention, before this, it's, uh, it's down on the docks when uh, Tanya and Rosie show up for, on, in the present timeline that Andy Garcia's character of... Um, what is, Senor is Sin, yeah. Sinfuegos. Yes. Um, yeah. Mr. Just in, Mr. A Thousand Fires or something like that. Yeah, he is. Um, I'm trying to see. Um, yeah, Cienfuegos, and which is yeah, um, it's Andy Garcia, and he is. He gives the most. Like, okay, like this movie, you will really enjoy if you like the cheesiness in yes. movies. He has this like looking up into the sky moment, and then he like breathes in, and he's like, "There's a storm on the horizon. Like there's a storm coming." Yes, and you're like, "All right," it's but it's the way day. he says it. It's like very uh, like he's a like a wizard like it's very omnipotent like one of those moments and you're like okay but what's but also what's kind of funny is they play it in the past too because when bill goes to leave he says storm's coming and then she donna's like it's a beautiful sunshiny day like she's like believe me and they say he stops he goes wait no don't believe me but But, there's still a storm yes which i thought was a funny thing yeah so that's a character so the storm's happening and which by the way (laughs) This storm rolling in was not believable. It just it went from sunny and beautiful to dark in two seconds flat. It was drastic. It was not like, oh, let's shoot this scene like maybe a little bit darker. Like, hey, maybe some clouds have rolled in. There was no, like it, a filter over the it, it immediately went from sunshine over the to like tornado it in was, two yeah. seconds. It Quick. was ridiculous. But you've got Sophie rushing to, um, you know, try and save some things because they've put up all these decorations and all these flowers and everything looked beautiful. Um, but it all got destroyed. And in the past, you've got Donna. It starts off just kind of dancing in the rain, very um, very free-spirited. And she, she hears something um, coming from downstairs um, and rushes down and comes to find a horse. Uh, that Which I was like, what? What? Yeah, where did this horse come from? Where did from? this horse come from? Yeah. But he's um, essentially trapped. He, apparently, this horse can buck so hard that um, the entire building starts crashing down around him. Which mm-hmm. I was like, okay, now we're pushing some things. Yeah, it was a little weird. That was one of those moments that you're just like, what? That doesn't make any sense. Yeah, the, the horse, I mean, it, granted, okay, this is a, a dilapidated old house, but still, it basically pulls down the one support beam for the mm-hmm. entire second floor. But then I don't understand this, because the damage that was done when that happened seemed pretty drastic. Yes. But then there was no mention of that in the old timeline ever. Like. Uh-uh. She didn't, you know, have to fix anything. She was living there, and this looked yeah. like this was a condemned building, let alone one that she you could live in. 
I don't know. That was kind of a weird, like, just let's just ignore it. Yeah, it was a this is happening. Let's just don't don't you know shed any light on it. It didn't yeah. make any sense to me. But. So yeah, and um, so as she sees that this horse is there, she she says, "Hey, hold on, don't go anywhere. I'll be right back." She says that to the horse. Is she Goes freaking up- Doctor Doolittle? Like I don't get it. <laughs> she runs upstairs and just so happened to um, be coming up the drive, which is weird because. I don't know why he was coming up the drive. No because idea. It's, there's, it's not a throughway. Like it's no, a, you're it's, going straight up you're driveway up in that area. Like it's. I know he lives. He says later that he lives on a in a shack on the hill. But maybe well, that's where he was living. Well, we'll get to this in a minute. But I'm pretty sure that that little shack on the hill is has to be near that farmhouse because that's where um, Pierce Brosnan was staying. Mm, um, it's true. It's it's the same. It's the same room. So yeah. that. that that probably is close by to uh, to the farmhouse. That's true. Um, so she goes down, and it's it's young Sam, uh, Pierce Brosnan's character, and um, Sam goes and, and helps her save the horse, um, and then they end up um, at a uh, kind of a, a restaurant, a bar um, in town mm-hmm. uh, the next day. Um, yes. Well, it has to be the next day because that was all at night. It was night, yeah. So it's the next day, and this is where we see um, "Kisses of Fire" sung by um, this. Th- I can't even remember the guy's name. Um, is it Lazaros? I think I don't remember the. Uh, but remember. he, oh my gosh, this guy is doing a very funny, but not meant to be funny, just a passionate rendition of this song. Yes, but with a very heavy Greek accent. Yes, and very almost, funny. almost forced. It's is very comedic. And this is where we meet, again, one of my most favorite characters of this movie, too, um, his mother. Oh, yeah. She's so funny. She's the she's the sassy Greek mother that you've seen in any stereotypical, like, My Big Fat Greek Wedding. Oh, my God, or just, yes. Yeah. Very, very fun character. Um, she, yeah, she, she had one of my favorite lines of the movie when she said, uh, that's karma, and it's sp- uh, spelled... Or it's pronounced ha. ha. Like, that was my favorite part. I love that. She just went off on um, on Sam later on in the movie. That was, that was absolutely really good. But, but this scene, so he sings a song, and um, Donna's very, like, this band is awesome. They're great. And she's whooping and cheering the only one. I mean, there's, like, three there's people. Three, yeah, I think three, and they're two of the three. Yes, um, in the bar. Um and he comes over. I think he comes over and talks to him. Well, because she asks, um, "Who's the owner of this? Are you the owner of this establishment?" She goes, "No, I just um, uh, that would be my son." And she points to him because he had to buy a place to sing because no one else would no, yes. let his band play. Yeah, so he just um, pulls up a chair with um, with uh, with Sam and Donna and starts talking. And she talks about how how she's a singer and you know sometimes she would like her she wanted to know if her band uh, could perform there. Um, you know. Um, well, and that was something that she had said earlier in the movie before um, she left. It was kind of one of those things of, yes, I'm leaving, but I'm also going to put out feelers while I'm out because, like, they wanted to continue performing. Right. And this was, like, a, a her kind of remembering that, I think, for a half second. She's like, well, they're singing. I would love to sing with, yeah. my, with my friends here. And then her, you know, the Dynamos can come and sing and perform there. And she goes into um, a rendition of... Um, um, Andante and Dante. That's what it is. This Which was, this was weird. This was I. I didn't feel like this was the place for that song. No, it was just it was forced again. Another one of those. I feel like they wrote themselves into a corner just to use the song. Yeah, it felt that way. 
Um, and then you had the stere- very stereotypical, like, uh, the band behind her si- listens to a verse, and then they know all the ways to they come in, and they're singing with pick her. it up. I mean, yes, suspension of disbelief here, I get it. But it was also, like, they were singing backup, and, like, Harmony I can believe it. If you're a really good musician, you can kind of jam with somebody if you yeah. hear a few different chords that are in the song. And you if, go you, with if you understand the chord progression, you can jump in. Yes. But- but this, this had is... all, I mean, this was the full orchestration, again, suspension of disbelief, whatever. But I mean, here we are also, like, not having issues with an entire uh, restaurant breaking out into song and dance during Waterloo. But we're like, but this band, but they this knew band, the... band, though, we're so contradictory. Like, they knew the lyrics and everything. <laughs> yeah, that's so funny, because it's, God, it's so true. But that's just the magic of musicals. Yeah, that's all it was. And she's like, hired, hired, absolutely. So she gets hired. Um, but she also says something in their conversation that... She wants to stay here. Mm-hmm. And she says, you know, when are you leaving and uh, going back to your old life? Uh, a little bit of foreshadowing there. Um, and Sam's like, I got a, in about a week. Okay. He's leaving in a week. And so the next thing um, we see is after they're singing, um, after the, they're done singing, we see them. Uh, is it the name of the game? Is that the song? Uh, yeah. Pretty sure that's our next That's our next song, and that's what's happening next. Is name of the game pops in, and they start singing that, and that gets them... Um, to the ho- uh, to the house, um, yes. and that's where we have us talk. Where we talked earlier about like them holding hands, um, and there's this insinuation that then um, they slept together that night because mm-hmm. he's they're in the same bed. He's laying there without a shirt on. Like you just, if you've seen a movie, you know, in the past twenty years, you can read those read those key uh, oh, those yeah. cues and figure out yes that ha- happened. So. And so they, they sleep together that night. The next day, they're out on the um, a boat, and he's going to take her out to... There's a little um, island out there, and... Yeah, he's were, like, we're going to have a, we're gonna have a little picnic. picnic. And she yeah. asks, you know, we don't have any food, and he says, you're going to catch it on the way. And then they start this conversation of um, around... What is it around? I don't remember. Um, that she says, you know, you need to listen to me. I'm going to oh, yes. say something that you're going to think is going to sound crazy, but it may not sound crazy in the future. She's like, I wasn't lying yesterday when I said I want to stay here. And I think you need to stay here, too. And he kind of, he's really good at what he says. Um, He basically doesn't say that he's going to stay or leave, but he says, that's not a crazy idea. Yeah. He's just just like, you're not crazy. Yeah, he just, um, he's essentially supportive because, as we learned here in a few minutes, he has reasons to leave. But um, (laughs) Well, and her line to respond, I am sorry, I don't know if this is my conditioning to this movie, but she says, that'll do. And I'm like, that'll do, pig. That'll do, pig. That'll do. That'll do. (laughs) I said the same thing. (laughs) (laughs) I just heard that and I'm like, I don't think I can ever hear the phrase, that'll do, without thinking of babe. No. Um, But yeah, so she's like, all right, that's good enough for me now. Uh, And then it goes back to them and they're laying in bed. It's the next morning, I believe, or and she starts to sing, and mm-hmm. she goes, and okay, at the same time, this was amazing. So she's like prancing in a field of orange trees. Oh god, that was that was terrible. She's I'm gonna sorry. make him some breakfast, and she needs more oranges for orange juice. She goes out to this field and does cartwheels in this very flowy hippie gown. And yes, and she climbs an orange tree, pulls a couple oranges, falls out of the trees somehow, clutz, and. She runs into a goat, and she has a like a standoff with this goat, and makes faces, and she make, makes like a um, makes a face of the goat, and the goat charges at her and chases her through the field. 
here's here's the, the the funniest part for this movie so i'm sitting next to jordan and i lean over to her and she leans over to me as we're both gonna say something at the same time we're like is she gonna fuck the goat because she's been sleeping with everything she meets and ah! we both said it at the same oh time oh my god you two are awful <laughs> it was just like oh man i could tell that she was gonna i could tell that she was going to make the face of the goat because i mean it was just they kept doing the close-up. But they, yeah, Donna, they did the back goat. and forth between Donna, her and Go. And I was like, like, she's going to come onto this Go. Or she's, I was like, she's just going to make the face and then, or she's going to like bleat at it and go meh or whatever. And apparently she does that and then it chases her. Like, yeah. What? It was weird. And it's so the then the works. next thing, um, the next thing we see is she's back in the, um, in the, the house and she's getting, she's all excited. She's in love and. She's going to make some breakfast and continue making her orange juice. Mm -hmm. She pulls open a drawer, and in it is kind of like a a journal, like a leather-bound journal. And poking out of it's a picture. She pulls it out, and there's a picture of Sam and another young woman. Beautiful woman. And immediately, she um, we, we get this kind of sharp cut to she's like, telling him to leave and he's like just listen like no let me under let me explain she asked him three questions are you engaged um did you tell me about it are you what was the third one um are you going back to her was that it oh, i can't remember she's it's uh, are you engaged and he said yes he said did you tell me about it he said and no he said no um and then, oh i think it is it's do you uh, are you going home to her like are yeah. you, do you have any intention of leaving her and he's like Something along i'm staying with her she's like great leave yep and that's what gets us into our next song which is uh knowing me knowing you yes i don't remember this part too so well. this was one <laughs> where basically she's packing or she's kind of like getting her things together he's packing and as he is leaving on the boat She's at the tree, oh. foreshadowing because she keeps touching her stomach yes. like crazy during this song. It's so it's so obvious, but she, yeah, she's touching her stomach and she goes out onto like the watch to watch his boat leave, and she can see him and he can see her, and he he leaves, and she's. It's basically just the song about the fact that they know they I know who I am, I know who you are, and it's just not going to work. Right. Like this is this is it. You know, we're not going to be able to do this. And clearly, it, it makes sense with the idea that if she's going, if if he is engaged, they have slept together at this point. He is engaged. He didn't say he wasn't going to tell her about it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, she's just not uh, she's not comfortable. With so that. the one part that I remember uh, happened right before this song. Um, we have a flat. We're back in the present and um, a conversation of Sam and Sophie. And Sophie's very stressed out because Sam's the only one that's actually on the island at this point. Her other two dads um, are not there. Mm-hmm. Um, so they're having a conversation and Sophie says, I just want to make my mom proud. Um, and Sam says, there's nothing that you could do that she would not be proud of. And Sophie asks, why? She, uh, how do you know that? Um, because um, you, you couldn't let her down. You couldn't let her down because I let her down once. And I was like, that was one of those moments that I was like, <gasps> that yeah. hurts. That He's is like, I know what it feels like to let her down. Yes. And this is not letting her down. Yeah. I, I just, I really like the, the, there's nothing you could do that, that would let her down. And I was like, Aww. yeah. And, and in that little sequence too, we also find that because of that storm, there's really no opening. Yes. The good. the band can't get there. Even there's no they, ferries. There's no ferries. There's no flights into Athens. There's nothing. Like, just this random freakazoid storm yep. that stops everybody from showing up. 
Yeah, and so that that kind of shows us this another like sub. There's a lot of these little mini conflicts throughout. This is another like, hey, they've got this huge grand opening, but a reopening, and it's it's not going to work because no one can get there. Right. Um, I think this is a pretty good place for our, our break. Yes. Um, we're going to be getting into um, like a secondary shift because now that we've worked through the past stories of all of the men, we are finding out more um, about you know her and her, what she's going to do with Donna in the past. So this is a perfect time for us to take our break. Um, go ahead and as we are going to refill our drinks, you should do so as well. Get some more popcorn, grab some uh, Jujubees and Sour Patch Kids. Or, I don't know, those got those little airhead roll-up things I saw today. Airhead roll-up? Like, I don't know. That's it's like airheads meets fruit, fruit by the foot meets sour straws or whatever uh-huh. they are. I don't know. Go get some candy, guys. <laughs> um, and while uh, you are doing that, we're going to see what is coming up soon from Eventide. Oprah's Book of the Month Club, please, we've got something much better in store for you. Let's talk about books. The energy is right. I got a candle going. It feels good. Every Monday morning, Jessica Gillen sits down and talks with you about the very best in books and literature. Murder on the Orient Express. The Strange Case of the Alchemist's Daughter. The Cruel Prince. It's the bookseller. Every Monday morning brought to you by Eventide Entertainment. If there's one thing that's true about wrestling fans, it's how much they like to talk about wrestling. Join Aaron Lopez and Ben Norsworthy for the Top Rope Wrestling Podcast. Uh, Let's get ready to rumble! Tune in every episode and be ringside as these two break down all of the big matches in the world of professional wrestling. Brought to you by Eventide Entertainment. All right, welcome back, guys, to the Mamma Mia, here we go again edition of the drive-in. We just got done talking about the the third of the the suitors for Donna. Um, Sam has a fiance. Sam has left the island, and um, now you have Tanya and Rosie in the past timeline who have shown up to um, to sing. Actually, because mm-hmm. this is the um, this is kind of more like hey. The, the, this bar is going to let us sing. This restaurant's going to let us sing. So she gets them to come. And the timeline kind of like works so that it was maybe a day or two after this breakup, if not the day of. I think it was like, the, it might have been like the day after yeah. or something. But yeah, it all lines up. And you have this really dorky shot of them riding up the hill on um, a mule. And they have a packed mule carrying all their luggage. And for some reason, Rosie's facing backwards. Holding, the... she's holding onto the rope that is that is holding onto the the like the the donkey. That donkey was like he was fighting. His was... neck was like completely. He's like pulling. There was like ten bags on him. Like it was ridiculous to watch that. And I mean, it was a funny moment, but I was like, that poor donkey. Yeah, he's, he's probably so tired. And then they're talking about, yeah, we're gonna perform in front of all of these people and the lights and the shining, and then a jump cut straight to them. Sitting in that little bar that we were at earlier with one person at the bar. And he's asleep at the bar. Yes. And then you've got the owner and the mother, and that's yeah, that's it. Um, and they're trying to cheer her up. It's not working, but they're, they're like, well, let's sing. Sing about, you know, sing, try to sing something. And Donna's like, it's hard to sing about love, and I'm just not feeling it. Yeah. She's like, okay, well, then sing about what you do feel. Sing about, you know, what you're, you, you know and what you can do right mm-hmm. now. 
So she starts singing Mamma Mia, which the first line to that is, I was cheated by you, and I think you know why. So, I mean, it's a very... This was good writing into the storyline. It makes sense. This version of Mamma Mia makes sense into the plot so much better than the first one did. Oh, yeah. Because it was first movie was just it was it was because it's the name of the damn exactly they want to yeah. put it in there in the first you know four songs of the movie but this this works and um donna sings the first couple lines um acapella this was um they, this was in the trailer this was in the trailer yeah they prelude to this in the trailer um but as they go along um the girls jump in and you know it's a full donna and the Dy- dynamos moment mm-hmm. and then Pete, all the people come in, and they have a really... It was a really good performance of Mamma Mia. I liked it. It was not um, not one of those crazy over-the-top numbers, but um, it was still a really well-produced number, and it looked really cool. Well, and the motive behind it, I think, has a lot to do with it. It's more believable to hear it in this context than it was in the first, so it's a mm-hmm. little bit cooler, especially when the, the pace and the tempo starts to quicken, and you get a little bit more volume behind it, and it's not this like sad, weepy, oh, woe is me song. It's more a song of empowerment. Yes. And it kind of transitioned in that, and that was cool. I did. This is one of my favorite songs in this, just because of, of the way in which they portrayed this... Um, this character development, it really was for Donna a strong moment of character development because up to this point she was playing the oh, woe is me. Um, you know, she she was still very strong and independent, but it, she'd gone through some shit and she mm-hmm. was allowing herself to feel bad for yes. a while about and She it. was expressing her emotions and expressing the anger that she was feeling um, towards being hurt um, by Sam with, with everything that had gone on. So very cool moment. Very cool. Um, after this, we jump back to the main timeline, um, because, um, uh, Sophie is having some guy, guy problems herself. As we mentioned mm-hmm. earlier, Sky is not coming, um, to, to help out. He's potentially at this moment still staying in New York and <clears throat> she starts to talk to, um, Tanya and Rosie about, you know, th- this issue. And this plays us into the next song, Angel Eyes, which is basically a song about, you know, you're going to fall for whatever guys say if you could look into their eyes, uh, which was the dance moves in this were like mm-hmm. literally like you talk about angel eyes and they would wave their arms like they had wings and point at their eyes. Yeah, it was not it was not a shining choreo- choreographical moment. <laughs> this is rough. Very literal. It must have been one of the last ones that they did. But yeah, still a good song, though. So I, um, I like the song a lot. Um, anything with Tanya and Rosie, like the adult versions, I'm, I'm, this I'm was my favorite this. one with Rosie because she was like a step behind every time yes. and you, and you, this was purposeful, but as, you know, as a character, but every time they do like choreography, like, um, you know, Sophie, Tanya, Rosie, and like a lot of the ensemble, they'd all be all together except for Rosie. would be like one of those people when you go into like a dance class and you are watching people do the choreography and you're, and you're doing it behind them. Yes. It was hilarious. It's so funny. And then they do the lifts over the table <laughs> and then no one's there to lift her. And she just like sits she, on she it. She sits on it. And then two guys come along, terrify her because they lift it and they turn it. Um, what I loved about this song. So before, um, so it's after Mamma Mia, um, we cut to, um, who shows, Bill shows up on the island. Bill comes back. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. He comes back on the island. Um, and you see, um, Sophie and well, Tanya. Well, he's that... not on the island yet. He's in, he's in Greece trying to get to the island. No, he. Cause we have the sequence where he's there and he, he and Harry meet up, um, and that's where they tie themselves down, or they Harry ties. No, we're talking down. in the past. Oh, in the past. This is in the past. He shows up on the yes. island. Yes, because sorry. They're talking about cake. So cake. Uh, 
because this is how it ties into Angel Eyes. Um, those two are out on the patio talking, and she's like, after all this stuff, then a beautiful man shows up, and um, um, Sophie's all about Bill, so obviously it's foreshadowing for the future. Um, but <laughs> she's like, um, every time I'm, my heart gets broken, all I want is cake. <laughs> and there's just this, all this... Um, um, they, they talk about cake for a good like five minutes straight um and then you have about three or four cutscenes during angel eyes where there's cake on the table or sophie's eating cake or yep. there's something cake related that was like even at the very end the song's over and she grabs a piece of like carrot cake and she's, and she's eating just eating it it was really funny yeah, that was that was great i like that moment <laughs> um and so yes, on the um, on the island in the past, yes, we have uh, Bill comes back. He catches her. Yeah, that was what we were talking yeah, about. Yeah, because she falls. That's she gets like talking. Rosie pushes her off, like yeah. accidentally, but pushes her off the bar. And Bill's there to to pick her up or to to catch her. Um, and then this is where we see um, out of nowhere, uh, Sam shows back up too. Yeah, he comes back. He comes back, and this is um, it's funny because they don't know who he is. But Rosie and Tanya are there and they see him. And Tanya is like, she's feeling him. Uh-huh. She is coming on to him and um, talking to him. And all of a sudden he like, uh, the mother is like, oh, I know you. And so then he continues past and talks to her. That's where we get the karma line. Yes. Um, and then he leaves and um, she's basically trying to, Tanya's trying to get uh, Rosie to stop talking about cake and start living and everything. And, um. Uh, <laughs> this whole thing with Sam happens. She gets, yeah, she gets kind of shut down. But Sam doesn't even, on the way back, he just walks right past him. Yeah, completely ignores him. Well, I try to remember the line. She's like, I, it's the first time. She's like, I am um, not disappointed with your visual outlook. Or something like, she says something really like, some, it's kind of weird and awkward. But I, I, I half caught it, half didn't. But um, it's a funny line that she says of, about how she's attracted to him. But she doesn't yeah. just come out and say it that way. But then she gets shut down by him, and she's like, "Where was the cake again?" And she's like, "Back there." Oh, let's, like, let's, let's just let's go. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah so that that's that all happens uh, kind of right before Angel Eyes, and uh, then we get through Angel Eyes, and um, Angel Eyes basically is the last song of kind of of major conflict, really. Mm-hmm. I would say because you uh, right after Angel Eyes, you see them all come up together, uh, and that's where we I'd kind of mentioned. You've got um, in the present timeline, Bill and um, Harry. Harry. We cut away from the uh, the major Greece island, Greek island um, setting, and we see Harry in Tokyo. Yep. And the, he legitimately was in the meeting. He couldn't get away because it was this big meeting in which two of the two companies Some were merging. Merger, yeah, this big this big business thing, and it cuts to them talking about a contract, and you see him asleep. And they're like, oh, this is, I know it's not very exciting, blah, blah, blah. And then it's the moment where he realizes that um, he has more important um, things to to him than um, than this business stuff, and he, he just up and leaves. He has a cool line. He says, "There's what's the point of climbing the ladder when you're on, on the, the wrong, wrong building? Yeah. When you're on the wrong wall. Well, the wrong wall. Yeah, yeah, I really like that. I was like, Which is cool. It's very good. But That's then... a, you don't hear that before. I, I've never heard that before. No. But like the corp, climbing the corporate ladder. So um, Then we go over. And this was weird to me because I didn't get what they were doing. And I was like, what the hell happened I was, I was like, he let himself go. <laughs> but we're, we go over to Sweden. Um, and it actually, too, so what they were saying is the reason why Bill um, couldn't be there 
was Sophie says earlier when Tanya and Rosie show up, is she, mm-hmm. he's winning an award for being the world's most famous Swede or like yeah, something, you know, something, something funny like weird. That. And he is, he's winning an award, and he gets called up, and it's it's basically Bill in a fat suit. I mean, yeah. this guy is he's got a neck that is like two people's arms together. It's a huge, like he's a it, large, it, it large was, man. Yes, very very large man, and he's up uh, accepting the award, and, and I'm just sitting there thinking, like. Did he really let himself go that far? Well, and I just was thinking to myself, like, okay, I, I had seen him recently, and I'm like, okay, I knew it, well, the actor himself wasn't. So I'm like, but why'd they make him fat? Like, yeah. why, why is... What, what, they important. didn't. So there's a reason. So he's yes. actually... Um, so as Bill, quote, air quotes, Bill is giving an acceptance speech, um, his mother's phone rings, and it says Bill's cell. And I was like, what's going on? I was confused, too. And you see Bill in his car, and it's his twin brother... That we've never heard of before until now. This is just stupid writing. It like they didn't like work themselves into a corner because they they could have done anything. They could have done anything. They just were like, well, this is just a we just we just need to get through this moment really fast. So let's just say that um, he's going to have his twin brother accept the word on his behalf or not or as him actually. Yeah. Um, and then so Bill can run off, and his mother says something that's like. Um, switching places to cheat on your uh, math test is one thing, but this like a whole new level. Which I thought was really funny. And Bill gets his own very important family line. Is he's like, and just never really important. You know, family's more important. important. Yeah. And it's it's cool because like, and, and the mom's not upset. Um, he's like, but he does ask. He like has has so and so said the, the as long as he doesn't tell the goat story, we'll be we'll be good. And as it cuts out of the scene, he's like, I got a story for you. It involves a goat. <laughs> and then you're like, oh okay, we don't know. It's one of those unanswered questions of what is this goat story. It's probably that same goat from the, the island. The goat from the island. Oh, my Bill God. Bill screwed the goat. And Donna didn't. That's why oh the goat was God. chasing. Oh, my God. Can we not talk about goat screwing anymore? <laughs> <sighs> um, so this is where, okay, um, they're very upset. Sophie's very upset. She's like, well, no one's going to be here. Uh, you know, we're, we're fixing this all up, but this this party, this opening is all for naught. Looks like it's going to just be us. And uh, Pierce Brosnan is standing there, and he's like, well, I don't know about this. Um and he looks off into the distance, and we see all these boats. Well, we need to go back and talk about these boats. So, as we had mentioned earlier, uh, Bill and Harry both show up at this, the same dock, same that, dock with, with the this... ferry. And what's-his-name is still there, the, uh, the, the customs dude. officer. And he gets another one of his moments. He's, he looks at Bill, and he says, time has not been kind to you. <laughs> uh, which, he's like, you're, you're uh, was it your... Like you're balding, your face is caving in, yeah, stuff like that. And then, um, and then Harry shows up and he goes, You, my friend, um, age well like a fine wine or cheese or something yeah. like that. It's just like, again, no reason for this guy, yep. it's a little humor, but that was it. Um, and so they're like, I'm sorry, but there's, there's just no fairies. Uh, so they go to this bar and they're sitting down, and you see Harry kind of tie himself down behind i don't know why he was finishing it up like yeah it's like he started it and he um he was talking about um i've learned over the years you know if you have a, a problem to solve the best thing to do is to tie yourself down until you solve it don't you can't go anywhere until you, can't you go, solve it. Yeah, yeah which was like okay but do you have to tie yourself to a chair have some self-control man but it was just weird and as they're finishing up um a familiar face shows back up um that we that we get to so see. which okay this explains a lot because when we first saw this guy, um, so this is Alexio from the beginning when we first met Bill. Alexio looked fake. 
He looked like he was wearing a, like a wig and a ton of makeup or yes. something. Uh, we find out why because Alexio shows up again. Mm-hmm. And, well, and the way he reveals himself was awesome because he's like, you know, hey, it's you. And I don't know how he recognized him because Bill doesn't look. Bill doesn't look no. quite the same. I mean, he looks familiar, but that guy hadn't seen him in years. Um, can we just say too? The character of Bill um, looks so much older than everybody else he, in this yeah. movie. I mean, and I mean, he's he's one of those actors, um, you know, Stellan Skarsgård. He's an older guy, but he has not aged. No, well, no, he, he has not aged like fine wine or cheese. He's he, he is sixty seven. He's aged like milk. Yeah. Like let's let's be honest. Yeah, I mean, he is sixty seven. I'm gonna look and see it, how old the other guys are. I mean, Colin Pierce Brosnan can't be that. Colin Firth is fifty seven. Okay. So he's ten years younger. Um, and let's see, Pierce Brosnan's got to be in his sixties. Let's see, here. has to be. There's he no is sixty five. Okay, so he's only okay. Pierce Brosnan, Brosnan looks maybe five to ten years younger than Stellan Skarsgård. Yes, but there's a lot of Botox and there plastic is a surgery that has there. come along with that. Speaking of plastic surgery and Botox, Cher's coming. So She's soon we got like a, we got <laughs> Cher like is one, coming. We got like one more song. Yeah. Well, um, e- even in just the ten years that from the two movies. You can tell that they have aged. Like, well, and they didn't do themselves a favor by saying, even though it's been ten years, saying that it's only been five. Yeah. What's the difference of saying that it's you know it had been, been longer? 10 years. I mean, maybe the the characters, especially like the younger characters, would be in a different place in their lives. But I kind of get that. But I mean, Pierce Brosnan looked good in the first movie, like good, and now he's like, eh. Yeah, I mean, I'm looking at in in the in the first movie, um, Sophie is twenty. Mm-hmm. What's wrong with her having her first kid, first kid at thirty? There's nothing. Wrong I mean, with other that. than the fact that maybe if you look at it, you see how old was. Um, trying to see if, yeah, it doesn't say how old Lily would have been, or Lily James' character Donna would, uh, the younger Donna would have been. So maybe they wanted the characters to be having be right their babies around the, around the same age. I think that was it. Because and she couldn't have been twenty five because she just graduated college, so she would have been maybe twenty or twenty one, maybe twenty two. So they're similar, but. Right. I don't know. They didn't. They, they didn't need it to be five years. They could have said like six or seven yeah. I mean, to help themselves a little bit. But anyway, so we're at this yeah dock kind of bar, well, yeah. I guess, with with open um open windows kind of thing that you could, I mean floor cutouts in the yeah. wall that you could just jump out of and jump into the water. And Alexia comes up yes. and he's like, "Hey, it's you." And he's like, I, "I'm sorry." And he's like, so he takes a drink. And as he's gargling, choking on this water, he says, uh, Apollonia, which is what he did when he was when drowning. He in, when, yeah, when he jumped in the water. And they're like, oh my gosh, I remember you. Yeah. And, but we don't see Apollonia. Did, did no, Apollonia explain, was not there. Did he not explain that? I think he conveniently left that out. Yeah. Well, and it, there's, okay, there's a line in a little bit where um, this bar full of uh, fishermen, <laughs> men mostly, but but also some women. But they said, bring your, bring your uh, wives and children. And they're all like, oh. Like, yeah. So it's kind of that was I thought that was pretty funny. Yeah. Like, we're going but, to this party, but you're supposed to bring all of your. Well, and yeah. Okay. So we'll get to that in a second because there's a little there's a little moment of of um, questionable race in this movie. Um, we'll get to it. We'll, <laughs> oh, we'll I get don't want to jump. We'll get there. Um, but so Alexio is a fisherman um, still, mm-hmm. and he is talking about how they've all fallen on hard times. Um, you know, there's, there's plenty of fish, but no one wants to buy it. And they just, there's a, going and buying, going out and fishing isn't doing anything. And he's, uh, Bill's like, well, do you guys want to go to a party for free? Like drink and eat and everything. 
And um, he's like, well, yeah, sure. And so that's that's what gets them there. But all of a sudden, Sky shows up. Well, hold on. Before nope, that. we haven't gotten there yet. So they're leaving. Everybody's leaving. They're like, all right, we'll go to the party. And um, Harry's still tied still down. Still tied to the chair. And he's like jumping around oh, trying Jesus. to, and falls into the water. Then like, that's where we see Sky like pop his head like, hey, you need a hand? And then somehow the laws of physics don't, uh, don't matter. Don't, don't matter in this universe because he is still like somewhat tied to the chair and he and the chair are conveniently floating in what is obviously like deep blue ocean waters. No, no, no. It doesn't work like that. Like, you would sink. And, yeah. and we all looked at each other and we're like, he'd be dead right yeah. now. Exactly. Like, he's drowning. Oh, yeah. And then you have that cut up of Sky showing up and you're like, oh, yay, he yeah. came. He showed up. Well, and they didn't make a big deal out of no, it. No, They were just like, he's there. He's subtle. like, you need a little bit of help. And he's like, ha, ha, ha. It was one of those cheesy moments that mm-hmm. you love. Very you. cheeky. So that's, that's what then gets us to... Um, when we were out and we see Pierce Brosnan, he's like, oh, it may not be as few people as you think. And he puts the, the binoculars up to, to Sophie's uh, eyes and you see a boats and boats of people filled with very white, very white Very people. non-Mediterranean, <laughs> um, Grecian uh, humans. All um, of a sudden, all of their wife and children of all of these very, very Greek uh, bar uh, patrons... Turned into a bunch of like frat, you know. Basically, it turns into like spring break. They just went. It's to... spring break. Yes, twenty-something uh, white kids from you know all across America um, came together to dance on these boats. Oh, and I looked at that and I was like, "Well, that's real believable." But hey, you know, I mean, you that get... was that was rough. That that was a moment where you're just like, "Oh, poor choices." I mean, if you don't pay attention to that fact, um, this song, this number is is great yeah i loved it i yeah. absolutely loved I, but it but my my only problem with it is that you had it in the first movie you had it in the first movie. we need it again like you need but it in an abba movie in a mama mia movie you do but i think that i think this one it's another one of those that they did it completely differently than, they did it very different yes and i think again this one worked better because it's dancing queen is, um, is the number we're talking about and it's one of those that you just need to have that suspension of disbelief um, full ensemble moment. Oh, like yeah. you, it's what it's. It would basically be like an act one closer. Yeah. If it were on stage right yes. now, the, in the way in this movie it yes. was done. Um, because in the first movie it's done of um, Donna's upset that all the dads have showed up and the, the other uh, Tanya and Rosie are trying to cheer her up by singing that song. Mm-hmm. Which okay can I, I, I don't see where the correlation in the second movie relates to the past, but. Yeah, there's um, no connection between but the But this the number is done so much better because it needs to be big. It needs to be flashy. Mm-hmm. So I think they were kind of writing some of their wrongs um, with a couple of these numbers in the movie. And this was definitely one of those that, that they fixed. We do have to mention, though, before we get too far from it, because we missed it, is that Pierce Brosnan at one point, as he's consoling Sophie, he's talking to her. It's in that sense, that one sequence, I think, right after we find out that he had um, cheated, well, not cheated, but essentially cheated yeah. um, with his fiance and he's like talking to her and he's like hugging her and telling her like go off and you'll be okay and he calls her my little dancing queen and like i was oh, like yeah. oh boo <laughs> i like that too cheesy i was like oh god i thought that was gonna be the reference to dancing yeah queen. but then later on they have this i was like ah oh, 
Jeez. I mean, it's too big of a number to not have it. I know it was in the first one, but you gotta have it. Well, I'm looking on it too, and we're—I mean, we're not done yet, but we do have. I'm looking at the first movie. Um, I have a dream was in it. It was done differently, but mm-hmm. I have a dream. Mamma Mia, Dancing Queen, um, Super Trooper, Super Trooper. Um, That might be it. I think that was all of the... Um, those, are the those are four. SOS is technically in there, but it's... In the second one, it's stupid because Pierce Brosnan singing by himself. When yeah. That number is clearly a duet. Um, yeah. But, uh, uh. but, yeah, I mean, so, like, they had... But the thing is, is, do you need four songs repeated? Like, and the reason why they did this one is because of the financial success of the first movie. Right. And they were like, we have so much more ABBA music to explore. If you have that much more music, why are you hitting like, back? Maybe on one, maybe two. It felt like like. Well, I mean, the uh, one you know, you got a bigger version of it. Mm-hmm. Um, Dancing Queen is their biggest hit of all time. Yeah, and that, that one, if that and, one was going to be in it, I, that I and Mamma Mia is the freaking title song, and then Super Trooper is done in a way that um, wraps it all up, which we'll talk about in a minute. Yeah. But I think I think of the of all the songs they took from the first movie, those are the ones to take. I'm not disagreeing that I think all of them were done well. I'm just thinking if you're doing this movie because you say there's so much more, mom, you know, there's, there's 16 songs in this movie, and a quarter of them, one fourth of them, are repeats. Yeah. So it's just like eh, I don't know. Either make it because there were a couple songs that they did. They had um, two songs that were were in deleted scenes uh, that I'm looking at here. Uh, I wonder and the day before you came. Those mm-hmm. were both in the movie. Um, one sung by Donna. Uh, and one sung by Young Donna in the Dynamos. So, I don't know. I mean, I, it wasn't an issue, but I'm just it's more of a question. Yeah. Um, so they're all there, and they're dancing, and they're having a good time. And they're queens. They're, and... they're, yes, they're, they're <laughs> dancing queens all over this. There's a lot of dancing queens. <laughs> and you've got um, the realization, which is weird, because they're all dancing in very close proximity to each other, mm-hmm. including Sophie. Including all of her dads, include everybody, and all of a sudden, then there's like a pathway where she sees them. And she's like, "Oh my god, you guys came!" And then behind them is Sky, yeah. And she's like, "Oh my god, Sky!" And she loses her shit. And if you're a crier, you probably got all teary at this moment. And uh, but I just was like, okay, I mean, like the the reveal. But if the reveal is that important, why didn't you do that first and then have them all dancing? Together? Yeah, why wouldn't you bring them together, have the reveal, and then finish the number of all it of seemed, them together? Yeah, it seemed like it was a, an odd way to have them all dancing and then be like oh but yeah by the way you've been dancing with them for the last minute and a half but now you're gonna realize realize. i mean sometimes when you're dancing you don't really pay attention to those that are around you i know i don't so you just go you just go you just go you just go balls you are in the moment you and your little circle exactly dance i mean especially when you're doing um set choreography you're just you're so focused on making sure you hit those you hit them eight counts okay here's what here's what i thought was fantastic as they got off the boats, they changed back to being a diverse race. Yes. It was like you saw a ton of people and you're like, oh, okay, there they are. <laughs> I was, <laughs> I, I think I was more focused on the dude that did a, a front flip from like the top of the boat, front yeah. flipped and landed on the dock. I was like, that doesn't well, seem yeah. like that could actually happen. They were just like, can anybody do any like really crazy like aerobics? This guy's like, I can do a front flip. And they're like, we're going to put that in the movie. We're going to have you front flip off of the boat onto the dock. That sounds real safe. Oh, yeah. man. I uh, know. Well, and this is also the moment where the, <laughs> this is going to get me into trouble, but the, the help start intermingling with the um, 
the guests. Yeah. And you see, like, all the dancing. But that also, at the same point, too, was probably where we got a little bit more of the diversity. Mm-hmm. You had one of the guys. He was, like, an older gentleman that kind of looked like the uncle. I can't remember his name because I haven't seen this in a long time. But um, the uncle from Fresh Prince. He was, like, a skinnier version of him. He had, like, the beard and the bald head. Okay, um, I, I know what you're talking And he was about. the one right behind him, like, smiling and dancing. He was getting into it. He was. It, there were a lot of really strong extras. I will talk in a little bit about non-extra who stole a scene that they weren't supposed to. We'll huh. get to it here in a second. Um, but, um, yeah, so this then gets us to um, the next song. Well, everybody's there. They're all having fun. Um, and we see um, Sophie, Rosie, and Tanya singing I've Been Waiting For You. Um, trying to remember how that plays in because the next song after that I know everything about. Yes, that all makes sense. I'm trying to figure out how this all because aren't they this is at the grand opening party. Yes, and everybody's um, coming up and they're all Yes. I'm a little foggy on I can't remember else. this one to be honest. Um but at this point we oh, do see the, the, Sophie has just told Sky that she's pregnant. Um cuz we have this cutaway moment of um, Sophie um, in a room and talking about being a little overwhelmed and runs off, clutching her stomach again. Mm-hmm. And then you flash back to Donna having the same kind of moment, um, clutching her stomach and running. And then we cut back to Sophie um, obviously puking into a toilet. And she says, uh, well, I guess we know what that means. She yes. runs out. She goes, tells Sky. Um, and they have this moment, then it would come down. Sophie, um, gets up on stage and kind of does like a speech, um, to everyone that's, that's there. Right. And she says, all my life, the only thing I've ever wanted to do was perform with Donna and the Dynamos. Yes. So that's when, um, Tanya and, um, and Rosie, um, and Rosie come yeah. up and they begin to sing this song together. And that, this is a cool f- kind of flashback to the first movie where you have the group singing in front of everybody at the hotel. Yes. Uh, and she doesn't have like a, a costume or anything, uh, but the other two are all dressed up and she kind of takes her uh, her shawl that she's been wearing and she kind of uses it as this cave she gets herself in. It, it, it's it's not necessarily about the costume, it's about the, the concept, mm-hmm. um, but it was cool. It was neat to see. Um, and, you know, the, the choreography for it was very simple, but it mirrored very much what the, the dynamos, Don and the dynamos yes. did. Um, and it was a cool moment as far as like a, a metaphorical passing of the torch, at least in the storyline. Yes, I saw that definitely. That she stepped in as her mother, um, you know, not only with running the hotel and everything else, but stepping in in the girl group and, mm-hmm. and being that that front and center figure. Well, and and so around this time too, we find out, like you had said, that she's pregnant. She goes to tell Sky, and um, we no, we're 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 almost there. So we're right after the song. Um, yeah, we're not there. No, we're we are we're a little ahead. It's right before the song that we have our big reveal, um, because she actually watches the song. She and she says, "Not bad." She she listens to it. No, this, that is. Oh yeah, you're right. So, so um, before that, yes, um, is when the queen herself uh, so reveals herself to this movie. The there's they're talking and um, this is before the the moment of her getting sick um, and Sophie. And she's listen, She's talking to Sky as they're getting there, and she's like, "What is that sound?" And you see a helicopter coming up to the island, landing, and then you see the foot get out. Mm. And then after it's 
it's after a little bit, um, he's like, or he, uh, Sky comes up to Sophie and he's like, so I've got this surprise for you. And she's like, I can't handle I hate, anymore. I hate surprises, I, all yeah. that kind of stuff. Between, um, she's like, between the, uh, the pregnant, the, or the having the opening, then not having the opening and ever having it again and everybody showing up and you being here and now the pregnancy can't deal with it anymore. And he's like, too late. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, sorry about it. Uh, and he points off behind, and you see in the grandest of fashions with the uh, very well coincidentally placed backlighting, mm-hmm. um, Cher pops up. Oh, that bitch knows how to make an entrance. Um, let me tell you. And as soon as soon as you see her face, you're like, oh, Jesus. Uh, yeah. Because, yes, it's Cher, but it also... Cher looks younger than Amanda Seyfried right now at this point. Yes, because she's had so and oh. oh my god, Cher's well into her uh, mid to late sixties. She couldn't smile. She no, tried. There, there was no. I mean, from the cheekbones up, there was no emotion. Oh. Um, she could barely smile. So she. Um, Cher, Cher is seventy-two. Okay, yeah, that, that sounds right. <laughs> Sherilyn, oh. Cher is seventy-two. Mama called me Sherilyn. Oh, she. I'll control yeah. the Cher impressions. I'm sorry. <laughs> she. <laughs> I mean, here's here's what I will say is in reading some things about it, um, the the writer director had said there was nobody else that he wanted except for this. He didn't even consider casting anybody else in this role, which is fine. I don't think as many people would have come to see this movie knowing um, that or seeing it without share. Share was yeah. the draw um, because a lot of the people who saw the first one had either been huge ABBA fans, had saw the musical when it toured, mm-hmm. had seen the musical in general, and just were so excited for it. And Meryl Streep was your draw. And mm-hmm. seeing Pierce Brosnan sing, it was kind of one of those, you had enough people on your own. With this, you 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 just kind of knew there wasn't going to be enough. There was a, We didn't have a whole lot of Meryl. No. She wasn't going to be the face. You needed something. So it seemed more like a marketing ploy, and I don't care if it was or it wasn't. It felt more like that. She she fit the role, but good lord, she just looked she looked like she was in pain just because it's just without any facial expressions. Right, you just can't there's, read behind There's no emotion. But so they they talk about Cher's character throughout the entire movie. How she yes. lives in Vegas. How she never comes to anything. The Vegas you know, line. Which one? She uh, the one where they said um, she hasn't been seen. They're outside talking of about Las she hasn't Vegas. been seen outside of Las Vegas in years. Mm-hmm. And you're like, that's pretty true. Yeah, she's done I mean, plenty was, of shows I, down. That in was Vegas. pretty accurate. So they allude to all of these things, and she just walks up. And I, for, I forget what she said. Um, something about you forgot to invite me to. She the, says something in. Oh, like, uh, in, let's, uh, let's get the party started, or something like that. Yeah, and but then, she's, yeah, she says something in French or. or oh Greek. yeah, something bonjour mon ami, like yeah. Um, and then. Um, she says, let's get You weren't invited. That's the best kind yeah, of party. So yeah, so that's the best kind of party. So w- what we left out in the beginning, um, so when I was talking about um, Sophie writing out all the invitations, she wrote one and then she wrote out grandma mm-hmm. um, and then, you know, had it set and ready to go. She grabs it actually off the stack and tears it up and says she never comes anyway. Yeah, she wouldn't come. So it's like, okay, you know grandma's going to show up. Because obviously we all know shares in the damn movie. So, yeah. well, and then the te- the line of "you weren't invited." Well, that's the best kind of party. That's in the trailer. Yeah, so I we'd mean, seen that. You we know knew that it's going to happen. But oh, I love Cher so much. <clears throat> well, she comes in and they're talking to her, and she's um, it, it basically it's this this little bit of a just a quick back and forth. She's talking to her, saying like, "I'm ready to be." I'm committed um, to being a grandmother. With, yes, I mean not like full air quotes, just. 
I mean, two fingers down, like yep. Mary Cher, I'm committed to be a grandmother. And then somebody walks by and says, um, great. It, it, great. Yeah, no, she's, it's, this is how it plays. It's, she says the grandma line. Uh, Sophie says, great. And then it's the guy, the um, the singer from the the old, because he comes back to yeah. open it up. The old singer who sings the uh, uh, what was the song? Uh, Kisses of Fire. And he goes, "Great grandmother, yes, yes, so happy for you." And she goes, and she's like, "How does he know?" Um, and this is funny because <laughs> then you get so, this is also in the, I think it's in the second trailer. I think so. You get um, she's like, "I only told Sam because you know he's my dad and Sam." And then we get everybody together. Um, well, no, was it, he, she, she told, I, I, Sky told Sam. Yeah. She's like, I haven't told anyone. Sky goes, well, I told Sam because he's your father. Sam goes, I told, Bill. um, Bill cause he's my best friend. And Bill goes, I, um, I told Harry for, I think he, he thought he deserved he's, to know. He's the other dad he deserves to know. And then Harry goes, I told many, <laughs> many, many people. <laughs> so it's like, whoop, the secret's <laughs> out. Uh, and so they're trying, they're not trying to hide it at this point, which I do like the fact that they bring attention to this. They said after the 12 weeks. Because that is a big issue that, for a lot of people, especially first-time pregnancies. Yeah, um, especially uh, pregnancies. First-time parents, they won't um, they won't announce anything until they are at that point because you open yourself up to um, a lot of miscarriages mm-hmm. and other issues like that. So, um, so, so I, I so thought that was like a social awareness I thing that, that was didn't good need to be written in. But the fact that but it was there, in there, they were, they were conscious of it. I thought it was cool. I thought I liked that as well. So um, after um, we do. Um, the song um, you would cut up to Cher did a fantastic costume change. Her hair didn't change, which I mean, if you know Cher, Cher lo- loves her wig. She can't mm-hmm. get enough of them. <laughs> um, so fantastic costume change. Um, and she comes up and says, um, Sophie goes, well, what'd you think? Well, she's like, well, we need to work on your breast support and you were a little pitchy, but that's what I would say, um, you know, to a, a young, um, what did she say oh no as, as a non um blood relative or something like that yeah and so he goes and as a grandmother um i thought you were fantastic it could have just exploded and she talks about like you got glitter in the blood you got glitter in the veins you yeah. get that from me it's like yeah sure you got glitter in my veins too that was great <laughs> i love uh, that line and this is where she talked there's and i don't remember the conversation of how it got onto um to fernando cienfuegos but they mention, um, you know, oh, you'll have to. Oh no, she goes. I wonder where Sky is. I'll have to ask um, Mr. Cienfuegos. Uh, he would know. Yes. And she goes, Cienfuegos. That's a that's a uh, quite a unique name. And then he comes out, looks up, and yells Ruby, and she yells out name. Fernando. And you're like, oh damn it! Like, because there's this conversation about how he, uh, he talked to Sophie earlier in the movie, saying that. You know his love. His love is lost, mm-hmm. uh, and he's hoping that you know things work out for her. And she's like, "There's you know boats can turn around," which is a cool little yes. flashback. Turn to... around, it's not too late. And so he's like, "Yeah, boats can turn around." And he's like, "Not this one. She's never coming back." Um, and so you're like, oh, "Okay," and you just brush it off as he, you know, he's he's another one of these um, forlorn lovers in this movie. Uh, shows up, and it's. It, that's his his long lost love. <laughs> it's her grandmother, and Some his name's Fernando. So, and we didn't know this until now. And you're like, oh damn it! You know what song's coming? You up. You know what's coming next? And then they break out into Fernando and Fernando, and you have the long the longest walk down <laughs> a set of stairs I've ever seen. <laughs> Basically, every verse or every line of a verse was one step for Cher yes. to come down these. And it's basically, honestly, I think it was so you didn't have to have her do more dancing. 
than what she did, which essentially was arm to shoulder, arm to shoulder, mm-hmm. and then and some a, dips, and a couple leans, some leans and dips. Yep. Um, but yeah, so they were singing that. Um, and again, that is one of those storylines that you've got to figure out how the hell do we get Fernando written into it? Um, and I don't want to say they back themselves into it because this had nothing to do with any story, any aspect of it. And they're just like, but they, we're going to make him, no, but we're, we're going to make him Fernando. He, yeah. He's a character that's written in, and he's right in the first scene. And you never question it. You never question it. He's no. just there. Oh, they hired him. Then they have that conversation down at the dock. Like, I just want you to be happy and my happiness is seeing you happy, Sophie, blah, blah, blah. And then you get to this. So it's a very, very subtle subplot. And yeah. I mean, if you're going to have Sharon in a movie, she's got to have a love interest. Of course. You know, snap out of it. Oh, she comes in and they do their Fernando. And it's funny because he does mention at one point the something about the fireworks. And in the middle of the, 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 there was something in the air that night. You have all the fireworks go off. And you're like, it's one of the great Gatsby moments. You know, yes. when you see Leo for the first time and you're like, oh, okay. And it's it's Cher singing with Andy Garcia and... And I, Andy Garcia is not a singer, but I'm sure he had to have been pretty excited to be able to to sing a duet with Cher. I mean, who wouldn't? God. And so yeah, and then that's that's basically it. It's you're like, all right, Cher's got love interest, Ruby and Fernando, um, and it actually is like that's the end of that night. Essentially, I'm pretty yeah, sure. The, like the, then we see like this flash of white light, and it says nine months later, mm-hmm. and we are now at the christening or the baptism or baptism something. in the same. Um, a place all the way on top of that huge like mountain where um, yeah. where the wedding was supposed to take place in the first movie. Yep. Well, I mean, a wedding did take place in the first movie, but um, yeah, <laughs> you get everybody talking about climbing up those stairs. You see all the extras in the background coming up, like, oh my gosh, this this climb was exhausting. And which there's two things, or there's one amazing thing about this scene, and one that I didn't get is that you've got the first people up um, that I can remember are the three dads. Yes. And then, like the third group of people are Tanya and Rosie. It's like they're they're a couple behind. Mm-hmm. They're not. And then it's like all of a sudden, Rosie and um, Rosie's like, "Oh, it's worth it to see what's at the top." I'm like, they they weren't that far apart. It's it, if it would have been like the first ones and the last ones, because it seemed like they had no idea that they were that they next were, to each it's other. It's like they know they're going to be up there. You can, it's like you can see. Yeah, I get that. It's like what? Like you guys were within sight. You know, a couple people apart, you could have walked right, up especially timing wise. Like, come on, yeah, it was kind of weird. But then the best part is so you see, um, Cher and Garcia come up and they're talking and they're like, you know, Cher's back with him, and then um, she talks about her brother. Well, because Rosie's with uh, back together with Bill, yes, uh, because Bill started he he talked to her earlier the the night of that party, saying that you know you're dancing, you're at a party, but you're not actually at the party, yes. He says, I've been dancing, and this is where that moment of her crying, anytime anybody says the name Donna, because Sophie's talking and talking about it, and she says Donna, and then you have this this pause, and then Bill starts crying yeah. the same way that she did, yes. and they get back together, and um, it's all happy hunky-dory. Yeah, and so they're, yeah, so you've got, those two are together now, you've got um, Pierce Brosnan, who's who's not interested, because his his love is his daughter now. Um, so he's there, but then you got Tanya, Tanya's got nobody except this is amazing because Andy Garcia, he's like, well, he's like, Oh, my brother. Hey, how's it going? And it's a goddamn Dos Equis guy. Most interesting man, man alive. alive. Oh my God. <laughs> I haven't seen, cause well, they, tr- they swapped him out. I thought he died. I thought that's why they, they swapped him out. He thought he died. I was like, the guy, uh, Jonathan Goldsmith is his name. <laughs> and, uh, he's credited in this as brother 
Cienfuegos. Um, he's not. He doesn't even have a name. He's just brother, brother Cienfuegos. His but brother, he shows up, and name. I was like, yes. Uh, the guy hasn't been in anything outside of advertising for a long time, but um, yeah, he he just basically. Um, Let's see. He in June 2017 he returned to television advertising after being replaced as the most interesting man in the world. He switched to tequila now doing ads for Astral Tequila. This guy likes his his beer um, and he likes his uh, tequila. his tequila. But he shows up and you're like, yes! I I was of more excited. People, I was I mean, more excited for him than Cher because I knew Cher was going to be there. This yeah, guy pops this, up. This was a nice little surprise right oh, at pretty, the end. Pretty neat. Um, the one thing about this scene that I was like. Really? Why is Sophie with the baby the last person up the hill? And why is she carrying it? Why is she carrying the baby like, by I herself? Know, I know we're off in a foreign land and there's this like, oh, wonderful Mediterranean. You're like, oh, this is nice. But you wouldn't carry the... I mean, in all reality, it's going to be in a... Um, what are they called? A bassinet or a, a, a carrier. Yeah, something. Um, like a cat carrier. No, not like that. But I mean, you're not going to be carrying this child in swaddling clothes and just like blankets and crap up the entire like huge ass hill mile of walk up a hill yeah that was weird okay but they're they're, they're going to do this and um Cher says or, or sophie starts to cry and ruby starts to say or sophie's crying because she wanted her mother to be there for this mm-hmm. and, and Cher goes she is here and it's kind of that you know yes in spirit she's here yes and then we see her start to uh to sing well we see young donna taking uh sophie they did this this, this was, was cool. really cool. They did this really well because this was the one moment that I got caught in the flashbacks. Mm. Um, so Jordan did too. I saw her realize she's like that mother should not still be alive, and I'm like, look at the timeline yes. you're in. Yeah, you really thought you were yeah, in, the, so, in the present. Um, Sophie walks towards the door, and then it cuts to the inside, and because the way that um, everybody's hairs or the girls' hairs hairs are. They look very similar, and they they costume Sophie to resemble a lot of her mother, yeah. Just because the whole idea of taking on her persona, and instead of seeing Sophie come down um, the aisle, essentially, uh, essentially with the baby, it's young Donna because you see um, the um, uh, the singer dude and his mother and, yep. and a whole you bunch of the Tanya, other people. You see, Rosie. you see young Tanya and, Tan- and yep. young Rosie, um, and then it comes down, and you get this pan shot over. The, the baptism bowl and you just see um you know current day donna you see meryl street you see meryl street yeah and i was like oh that was cool and then it pans back up and it's actually her i was like yes. i did not realize they were actually going to put her in this movie so here's here's where you had the uh, a very poor editing because no one caught this so when you see it's because okay so you got meryl streep sitting at the baptismal fountain um she's standing there at the front of the church and then you see Sophie walking in with her child at the back of the church. And as everybody like sits, like kind of like gets up and looks back toward the back of the church, Cher looks straight at Meryl Streep and like gives her like a, oh, hey, yeah, it's Meryl. And then she looks back. And, of and it's she like does. everybody else just looks straight back because you're not, supp- no one knows that Meryl's there. She, the only person who actually visually connects with her in any way is Sophie because mm-hmm. she feels the presence. She, she connects with her mother's presence, yes. Cher looks straight at her. And I'm like, no, Cher, no, you, come on. But she looks right at her and then turns. I did I not. Like, I did not see that yep. at all. And it wasn't one of those things where like she also knew that, that Donna was there. It was just like a no. She just looked at Meryl. She's like, hey, Meryl, welcome to the party. Yeah, she looks right at her and then looks back. I'm like, oh, boo. Um, But yeah, but this was not to take away from a very cool part of the movie. Um, 
Cheryl uh, or Meryl Streep is there and um, she's singing. They start singing the song, My Love, My Life. Um, and it's very much in the context of uh, a mother and daughter relationship. Yes. And um, knowing that no matter how far away you are from somebody, you are still, that is your love. That is your life. And it's, it was a really powerful moment. Um, we we leave it with a lot of questions, though, because as she's, Meryl's backing up, Donna's backing up out of the church, and she closes the doors, and that's it. Mm-hmm. We that's still it. don't know how she died. Yep. We still don't really know have a whole lot of answers with that, um, but it's kind of a... It's kind of like a guardian angel leaving, mm-hmm. you know, like or the ghost of somebody who has finally done everything they need to, so now they can live and pe- rest in peace. Right, they're, kind they're of a un- weird ending, but I did, I did, yeah, it wasn't all about that. I mean, everything else got tied up except for that line with Donna. Like, it's just like, mm-hmm. how did uh, like that's the main thing? How did she die? Yeah, what happened? I mean, if you're gonna write somebody out of the movie, they like mentioned that, it so many damn times. Like they talk about her dying. Uh, you know, it's only been a year, or it's been over a year, depending on who's talking about it. Um, you know, it's, it's, they, she's passed away and they want her there, but they never talk about how there's not even like a slight hint of like, maybe she died of cancer or there was an accident or like, there's nothing. And yeah. it, I know it's not important, but if you have somebody as important as, you know, the, a title character, essentially, um, you know, the mother and you don't have a reason why she's not there, but yet she's talked about consistently and she does show up. Right. It's like, there has to be I something. I, I, I agree with you. It's just like, a, okay. We're and stretching this, and that essentially is the end of the movie. We do get a um, pre-credit song, which is kind of a cool way of um, closing it, like they did in the first movie mm-hmm. with um, what was it that they closed it with? Uh, did they close with Dancing Queen? It was no, it was uh, Waterloo. Waterloo, yeah. So they they ended the first movie with Waterloo. This one they end with. Um, Super a, a super trooper, which was cool, um, because you have every character shows up um, in their. Well, Cher starts it, and Cher's hair is very out, frizzed, very out. big, oh, Ooh, very large, that's very drag, very drag. And she comes up and she starts singing um, "Super Trooper," and then points it off to um, who's the other? Is it um, the second person? Oh, I'm trying to remember who the second one is that she points to, because it's not Safe Reed. No, because she came later. She was the third one. It was one. the um, was it the young? It wasn't the young girls. It was young Donna. Was it just she her? pointed off to young Donna? Because she was in a different outfit when yes. she came out with the dynamo. She was in a different outfit. So she points at young Donna, who's singing, and then she points she points off to um, to uh, Sophie and Sky, mm-hmm. and this is where you start to see um, Sky's wearing his stuff and everything. Everybody's got the. Uh, the the dynamo's outfit yep. you know the very stereotypical and then they point off and this is the, this is where i thought it was pretty funny they point off to the three younger guys mm-hmm. um who then they point off to um or no no sorry the younger girls That's, come the younger, in younger yeah the younger girls come in and it's the the order doesn't matter at all but what the my favorite part is where you start seeing the Younger characters interacting with their older their counterparts. counterparts. That's what that I was, was really fun. That's what I was waiting for. I wanted that moment, and I'm glad that we got it because it's just the back and you know just kept passing it on. Because then I think from that point they pointed all off to um, Meryl Streep, who had had a moment. Then pointed off to all the older guys, which was 
which is really funny <laughs> with their beer they, and the like. They were, yeah, they were sitting behind. They're standing behind the bar, and then they come out and they sit at the bar drinking their beers. And I lean over. I'm like, yeah, that'd be me in this movie. Yeah, got my beer and just doing <laughs> the little bass and line, you know, backup singing behind it. Yep, and then everybody comes together and has this big moment of singing the song together. Well, and I loved. So then you start you you see everybody has these interactions, and you had the older and younger guys. And the first two are really getting into it. Then you had the younger Harry with Colin. That was hilarious. And he's just sitting there. He's like, because he's such a straight face, like mm-hmm. no nonsense type of character. And you have uh, the younger one who's very like very energetic. naive and energ- energetic, and he's you know singing the Super Trooper background, and you know. Uh, Older Colin uh, Firth is just, he's not having it. Um, but that's it. They have everybody kind of like, the you know, collectively gather and then they go to an, an ending. Um, we did stick around for the post credits because I, I looked online, found there was some. And yet again, we have our uh, our Grecian uh, customs officer. Love him. Who is... Um, it's it's not really in a, another scene. It's almost like it was a, just a... It was a deleted scene. It was like an outtake. A, a, yeah, can't, like an outtake. And you have um, young Harry, who's saying like, you know, if he he's he's, he's got to go get the girl. Mm-hmm. And he's like, just he's like, yeah, if it doesn't work out, you know where to find me. And he starts singing "Take a Chance on Me," which I thought's hilarious. But he starts singing; it. he's looking directly into the camera. Str- I was like, oh, they wrote this in there just yeah. to be. And then he's like, y'all can cut whatever yeah. you want. So he breaks character, <laughs> and he's like, I, I thought that was great. That you was... never see in a movie like this; you never see outtakes. No, you see them in like a movie, like you know, like a, a slapstick adult comedy kind of a thing, because those are funny. But I thought it was cool. It was a n- nice, neat little way of finishing off the movie. Um, but that's it. So that kind of wraps up the the plot. Um, yeah, I only had a couple like unanswered questions. We talked about how did Donna die? Um, and then I, I still don't, I mean, of course it's not really that important, but I still don't really know how Fernando ended up in Greece because they met in Mexico. Right. They talk about that. And so, but he ends up there. It's just a, a major coincidence that doesn't really matter. But, um, I was like, that was kind of interesting, but, um, so yeah, let's, uh, what, what should our ranking scale today, uh, be? I don't know. Oh, we got so many options. We could go with uh, uh, unplanned pregnancies, which seems a little... One. That's pushing it a little bit. A little rough. I mean, we're an edgy show, but that's... I don't know if I want to go that route. Botox we could do, injections. We could do Botox. There's a lot... We talked about this before we started recording. There's a lot of Botox in this movie. Botox. Um, How about Dynamos? Let's do Dynamos. That sounds good. So, uh, your final thoughts on the movie... And your uh, scale of one one to five dynamos. So I enjoyed the movie. Um, this is definitely something that um, if you're a musical person and you enjoy, go see it. Uh, especially if you enjoyed the first one, um, you have to under you have to have seen the first movie to really understand what's going on. A lot of the story points. So um, it's on Netflix right now. Go go watch it if you want to go see this movie. But. Uh, I thought it was good. Uh, it's not going to win any Oscars. I mean, it's no Spice World, but I mean, come on. What else could be like Spice World? It does have Cher in it. So, um, good movie. Very entertaining just to go listen to some fun music and, um, and a couple laughs. So, I give it um, a 3 out of 5 Dynamos. Okay. So, 3 out of 5 there from Nick. I, I agree with a lot of what he said. Um, <clears throat> as far as plot, it it's not as strong as the original musical. Um there were some elements that I enjoyed finding out. There were some aspects that I liked. Um, I think as far as the plot goes, I didn't like the movie. As far as uh, some of the songs, they, you know, being a, a musical theater, um, you know, 
aficionado. Fan. Yeah, I, I enjoy musicals. I do like um, jukebox musicals and just anytime you can incorporate music into a movie like this. So I liked it as far as that goes. The plot was kind of eh, like unnecessary. Do we really need to know the storyline? We got a lot of that um, in the first movie. So it was kind of just... It's one of those times where you see Hollywood knows that it can make a few more bucks on it. Yep. Right now, they're going to make their money back. Um, it, it was a 75, um, 75 million dollar uh, budget, and they've made thirty five um, right now. So yeah, they're the they're going to make their money back. It's the first weekend. It's the day after it released. They're not going to lose any money on this, but it just kind of was one of those things where I was like, we didn't. We, even when we first saw the trailer, we're like, we didn't need another Mama Me. No. No one was begging for it, but you're like, eh, we'll go see it. Um, so yeah, I, I enjoyed some of the songs. Um, I actually think most of the songs that I enjoyed were the ones that they did in the first movie, um, just because it was better the way that they had portrayed them this time. Um, if you have seen the first one, you liked the first one, go check it out. It's not going to be a waste of your time. Um, don't go in there expecting a foolproof plot or anything like that. <laughs> it's a fun movie. It knows what it is. Um, but for the sake of actually like good film, I'm gonna give it a one and a half dynamos. As far as a musical, I'll give it a two and a half to three. Um, two is two point seven five because I'm not really. 2.75 I can't give dynamos. it that three. I, I I just can't. But it it was fun. Um. So yeah, I uh, I enjoyed it. It was a good talk. This was this was a nice little fun episode. Yeah, it was nice. Uh, Nick, enjoy your time in Chicago. We oh. can definitely have you on again now that we can do remote recording. Yes, I'll so this is not your final episode. It's just no. your final episode as a resident of the Dayton, yes. Cincinnati area. Um, so yeah, next week uh, I did say that we were going to have a, a little announcement regarding the Mission Impossible Fallout. Uh, no, I am not going to see Mission Impossible Fallout next week. Uh, we were actually going to have a drunk drive-in part two, Electric Boogaloo. Um, it is going to be in protest of the Mission Impossible Fallout movie, uh, and we I'm not quite sure what it is. I've got been uh, talking to a lot of people about what this next episode of Drunk Driving should include, and we've got lots of ideas, but uh, that will be something that you'll have to wait until next Thursday to find out. Um, so until then, Nick, thanks again for coming on. Thank you for having me. Um, you guys drive home safe, and we'll see you next time. Charlie loves cherry, so he fills his froster with wild cherry, cherry cola, and tops it off with cherry limeade. It's the cherry on Charlie's day. Mix the polar pop or froster that works for you. Just 79 cents each at Circle K. Limited time only at participating locations. From a bird-watching nurse to a line-dancing firefighter, nobody's just one thing. That's why Polar Pop and Froster aren't either. Choose from all kinds of flavors and make your mix. Polar Pop and Froster, just 79 cents each at Circle K. Limited time only at participating locations.